It's a Swellian's Alert. Billabong, greatest surf company in the world. Home of the graphene wetsuit. Sponsor of the greatest human being alive, Ryan Callanan. Surfers Co. who know that only a surfer knows the feeling. Billabong and Custom Footwear present ATS live up in smoke. This weekend, the mayhem continues. Friday at the Great Northern in Byron Bay, followed by a Cooley Kids reunion at the Coolangatta Hotel. Sammy, Paco, Dingo. You can't miss this. A night of classy heats, bitter feuds, hilarious burns, and shocking fashion faux pas. Then on Friday, June 4th, Ain't That Swell Live heads to Coffs Harbor, the famous Hoey Moey, for a night of core surf banter and plenty of speed from the local bikies. On Saturday, June 5th, Port Macquarie's Tacking Point Tav will play host to the 2012 world champ, Joel Parkinson. It's a core fest of epic proportions and it all goes down in the next two weeks. Don't miss out. Secure your ticket at secretsounds.com and avoid being a hapless, washed up, balloon knot covered in kook juice. Today's episode is also brought to you by Swell CBD Oil. That's right, Swell CBD Oil. Ain't that Swell's official brand of CBD oil? Uh, I actually forgot to mention it in my many tools for beating back the black dog and kicking it fair up the ring. But CBD oil is definitely one of those. It's helped me with anxiety, stress, inflammation, cognitive function. Ah, uh, yeah, it's basically mother's milk in my opinion. So uh, just jump on Instagram, head over to swell underscore Oz AUS, and uh, book your consultation now to access Swell CBD oil. Smivy endorsed, Swellian endorsed. It is the creme de la creme in Australian-made CBD oil. Oil. Come out. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I like to say, and I ask you're gonna find me, because I wanna be a part of this fucking jump, wanna be Kenny's tour. You know, I think they got their, his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit, you know? I'm not thinking about that right now, I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the pull back. Drop down, say bah! Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle some humongous waves. Oh, that's the table thing? Oh, that looks good on it. Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back! Get a haircut. Yes, Shredheads, Waxheads, Kooks and Barneys. Welcome to Ain't That Swell, the radio show dedicated to cutting fucking sick. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Piece award-winning surf journalist, Scum Valley's finest himself, the punch-drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the maestro of micro-dosing. And I'm joined here, as always, by my loyal co-host and friend, frontman of the Goons of Doom, former editor of Surfing World magazine, Waves magazine, The Tracks magazine, Vaughn, Rinsed Corn, Deadly. The balloon knot has been flushed, my friend. Flushed clean, Smivy. Mm, sparkling? Dragged a bit of corn the other day at a little secret reef not too far from home. And the thing is pristine. You could eat off it. 
<laughs> you can actually eat off it. Really? So yeah. uh, you only pass stoolage uh, like once a week? or I mean, am I to assume your corn is still clean from a, a week ago? I mean, that's a... What did I say last week? When? Sorry, I meant like... I met yesterday, but uh, even that's probably a bit too long between eating off a dot and rinsing it. Yeah, much. That's a too big a break, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Ew. It's uh, you got to rinse corn daily to be eaten off it. Mm, I true. mean, I don't know who's scoffing your corn, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it this way: if I could reach, I'd do it. Myself. <laughs> That's a sobering image. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're joined here by the wet lettuce. It's been a Welcome while between drinks, mate. How yeah. good is this? Yeah, it's been a long, long time. I haven't sat down with you fools with microphones, I don't know, for years almost now. But you've been sitting down with microphones. Yeah. You've been cheating on us. <laughs> yeah. What microphone have you had in your mouth lately? There hasn't <laughs> been mine or Smithy's. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> no, uh, DJ, uh, after... Well, I don't know if you were working for Stab when you last came in, were you? Well, I think I was editing one of the episodes and then I got a job at Stab and I just never got around to finishing it. So I think oh, it that's right, right around that last time I was on the show. But mate, um, host, not just with creative, what, are, what is your role at Stab? Shaman? <laughs> I, uh, Brain shaman. That's maybe his role. My senior creative, which means nothing. As it is kind of a shaman role, shamanistic oh, role. Yeah, there's a shaman element, yeah. But a kind of a nebulous uh, bringing together of various energetic forces to create content. Well, sure. the reason... Content, <laughs> cha- content shaman. You can tell someone's been at the earth frequency. Oh, you <laughs> Before no. we get into that, though, Smitty, I just wanted to... The reason why I was asking what your role is, DJ, is because um, you've also got a podcast of your own, The Drop. Which I listen to a lot. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, really get the numbers up. It's funny. It's uh, it's kind of like a, a bit of a daily show of surf nerdism. You know, it's got that sort of John Stewart. You know, you get stuck into s- some nitty gritty topics that are, are really fun to listen to. You have a lot of experts on. Yeah, it's kind. It's kind of the opposite of ain't that swell in a way. It's like it's regular. Uh, it's it's interviews. You know, I've got, got the. It's it's essentially about interviewing the the contributing writers to Stab. So there's even been a two-time gold cone piece award-winning journalist that's been on there a couple of times. You've been on there, Vaughn. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we also mix in surfers. So we've had like Dane, Taj, um, Kai Lenny was on there once. Had that and, um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was brilliant. And Nathan Fletcher's on the on the latest episode. So yeah, it's just it's it's the majority. It's just and kind of weekly Kyle, surf like, news. Were you speaking lizard or was he speaking English? <laughs> he's a wind up doll. You can just get him. <laughs> he's you so even, good. You right. make fun of him, and he just will give you the most sincere answers straight back. But yeah, essentially, it's interviews. You guys kind of just take turns yelling about drugs and fighting and <laughs> Please, everything drugs. else, and then mind mention surfing. <laughs> mention expanding. surfing every now and then. But this one is just it's straight straight. Straight questions and uh, a couple of interviews a week. Well, it's nowhere near as surf nerdy as um, the cusp. Oh, yeah. So those, it's on. Those guys take nerdism, surf nerdism to like fucking unbelievable new heights, Smitty. I mm. thought we were nerdy. Mm. But yeah. the cusp is Mikey, so micro detailed. It's great. And Stace, they're on the same podcast feed. They, they do the cusp, I do the drop. Mm. So, but search for Stab Podcasts, rip it out. Even if you're driving, rip it out of the uh, phone out of the pocket and um, give us a little subscribe. I'm backing it. I'm backing it big time. Smithy, Earth Frequency, mate. I have to know. I have to know what you made of it all and what is it even? Oh, it's just, uh, I guess it's like a fucking long 
long, long, long extended doof, uh, which is like a, a rave for the uninitiated. But uh, yeah, it was just a fucking incredible event. You know, like those uh, music festivals, obviously, are just all over the joint. They're all over the world. They're, uh, they mm. come in all different shapes and sizes. But the sacred origins of the music festival, of course, we all know. Uh, kind of boils down to two events in my mind. Woodstock, 1969. Mm. Age of Aquarius, Nimbin, 1973. Mm. And uh, Earth Frequency tapped fucking straight into the pineal gland of both those festivals and created this kind of... Yeah, it was, it was authentic, you know. It's hard to find uh, a festival these days that actually honours the social contract, that connects with proper countercultural values uh, you know this event basically I think it was like five to ten thousand people there didn't even sell alcohol no corporate sponsorship uh, and it was basically you know every conversation or second conversation was about breathing techniques and plant medicines and meditation and um, you know the various biohacks and life hacks that are available um, and it was just basically nothing but four day a four day kind of for me, I think I got this, what, Saturday night, Sunday, Monday, I left Tuesday. So it's like a, a three-day meditation on mm. loving, kindness, uh, compassion, community, positivity, and old-fashioned doofing. <laughs> I was going to say, four days of... Uh, it went for longer. It started on like a, a Thursday and went to like, like people left on a Tuesday. Isn't that like 16 years in licking toad years? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, some people look like they aged like 16 years by the end of it. But uh, <laughs> What was the sleep schedule your life on, lost this, in that on this program? Yeah, well, so the sleep schedule, like usually, you know, for me, sleep's so crucial, man. Like dealing with some of the fucking excruciating head noise and the, the legacy of like fucking, you know, like 10 serious to mild brain injuries. Uh, sleep is one of the most critical things, yet... I got to this festival and I was sleeping like, you know, probably four to six hours a night. Uh, and usually I'd be fucking ratchet. But I'd go and get a coffee and a feed in the morning. And then on the way back, I'd be like, oh, holy shit, it's already kicked off. And I'd go over to the, the Psytrance fucking, no, not even Psytrance, just the big outdoor techno amphitheater. And the energy was just so intense and amazing. Uh, and positive and like people just throwing shapes. So I'd kind of down my coffee and then just spend the next four hours throwing shapes, feeling incredible. And, and there wasn't even time for those kind of negative, uh, self-sabotaging, intrusive thoughts to creep in. Like the moment they did, I just kind of, uh, I immediately passed them along because, and, and just didn't buy into it because I was surrounded by so much positivity and, and just mental fucking uh, loving, kind, shape-throwing behavior. It sounds like some sort of fucking mental utopia where sleep is obsolete almost. It's just like the future maybe, hopefully. Kind of. In a weird way, I think what I realized as well, I didn't touch it. I didn't drink any alcohol. I had one like microdose of fucking ketamine, basically one half bump and like um, smoked a few joints and whatnot. So I was pretty much pure the whole time. And the more pure you are, the more that natural energy of human beings going mad sinks in. Like you actually mm. felt so uplifted by just the presence of so many vibrating humanoids just throwing shapes. So it did kind of make sleep obsolete in a way. It was like uh, it, it made, I felt so strong coming out of it, the strongest I've felt in years, mm. which was such a paradox because I flew directly from Gracetown, uh, or <coughs> not directly, but Margaret River, Gracetown. I, I left uh, that 
place on the Saturday. Flew from Perth to Brisbane. Drove down to the door for like at midnight Saturday night. And, and uh, obviously, uh, I left behind one of the, the gnarliest uh, kind of tragedies I've ever been close to in Margaret River. It was rattling to the core in ways uh, that, you know, it, I wasn't sure when it was unfolding. We're talking about the, the passing of uh, Jack McCauley and uh, who took his own life. And, uh, like, I, you know, he was a guy I shared so much in common with um, right down to uh, having a history of serious head injuries. But, um, you know, living through that, I just was like, f- like, and being close to the family, I, I was reflecting on my own situation and my own legacy of um, head traumas and how that had created so much, like, painful kind of brain impulses coursing through my central nervous system and that was really at the root of a lot of my mental illness that I've been suffering and um I was yeah it was really kind of rattling to for me personally um obviously for the family unimaginable and uh to kind of go from that into the this this dual thing they they seem like they wouldn't complement each other but actually it was like yeah really exactly what I needed and uh, put me in a really kind of positive frame of mind um, and, uh, you know, living through that whole experience uh, in, cl- in proxi- close proximity to that family, it's consolidated my path to basically uh, you know, raise awareness about the legacy of head injuries for one and, and the impact they have on mental health uh, uh, and also just to fucking uh, pull away from the edge, you know, that's kind of my new mantra is just pull away from the edge i i think i was deluding myself about um how far i'd kind of come and how much i'd healed uh, i don't th- think i'd healed as much as i like to tell myself so i've doubled everything you know double the wim hof double the meditation um and i'm getting instant results from all that yeah um so yeah, it's been a fucking radical couple of weeks, man. Mm. It's it's some of the most radical in my life. Yeah, good to hear you looking after yourself. It's such a psycho tragedy and and horrifically sad. And you you were with the family right before it um, happened? Yeah, well, so, you know, they all love the podcast, the Macaulay's. Um, and, yeah, I just, you know, I, I don't want to say, I'm, I've got to be very wary of what I say here because of my proximity to it all. I'll just say that. I went over there for dinner. Um, I was invited uh, over there for dinner by Jack's sister, Ellie. And, you know, I was meant to meet Jack on the Wednesday night. Um, and we were all there. And, uh, you know, Jack didn't come. And then uh, a day or two later, he took his own life. And, um, you know, from what I understand, what he was going through, it just had so many parallels with my own ebbing and flowing mental health. Like I understood completely where he was at. I understood why he didn't come that night. Um, Because, you know, I didn't feel like going that night either. I I felt like uh, sometimes my brain just can't keep pace with conversation. It's tired, anxious. Um, You're getting these kind of uh, intrusive, self-sabotaging thoughts and it's fucking just tendencies to isolate Mm. uh, yourself, which is, you know, not the right thing to do, but... You know, if you're going to bring all that irritability um, and kind of negativity around other people, you don't, you know, that you don't want to do that. You don't want to bring people down, so you kind of tend to isolate a bit. Um, yeah. And I, I, I'm pontificating, but I, I imagine that was mm. part of what 
He was sinking, but um, yeah, and then in the days after, you know, I was able to just provide some uh, information about uh, just the legacy of head injuries and the effect it has on your mental health. And I would just like to say too, like to people listening to the show, um, if you have had like uh, one serious concussion can be enough. Um, If you've had multiple and you're suffering from uh, like, mental illness or like you know anxiety depression any of this kind of stuff uh there is stuff you can do um for me i I wouldn't advocate this necessarily but this is what i do and it is uh wim hof um i do the 10 minute guided breathing course i know jack was doing this i don't know how routinely he was doing it but he was doing it um i would also recommend stuff like uh you know fuck I, i can't say recommend I'm not going to say I recommend it, but this is what I do. Like, I've found a lot of respite from very small amounts of ketamine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know this has been used extensively uh, in places like India to treat depression, uh, and it's in, like, in the process of being vetted by scientific trials. Microdosing LSD uh, and mushrooms has been helpful for me. Um, yeah, meditating, as I said, like 40 minutes a day. Um, yoga is really good for brain injuries. Um, what was Jack's brain injury? He was it a surfing related? It was thing? a serious car accident. Oh, car accident! That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was definitely a, a major factor in this. And I think a lot of the conversations around mental health often miss the mark. You know, like it's it's almost like this mystery illness that just descends on you one day and and uh, takes your life or it takes someone you love away. But in reality, what I've learned is that depression and anxiety is basically the body's way of telling you that you're doing something wrong or you've done something wrong. And you need to figure out what that thing is and correct it. Mm. Um, you know, it could be a, a head injury that's happened to you. Um, it could be just living with a lot of stress and anger and distrust. All these things produce really gnarly hormones and chemicals in the body like cortisol. Uh, and the only way to to learn or, or figure out what you've done wrong, I think is um, the only way I know is, has been through meditation because you, you kind of, you spend so much time uh, observing feelings and thoughts that, it, it, yeah, it eventually dawns on you like, oh, this is, this is what's causing the pain. And when you can figure out what's causing the pain, then you can start to remedy it. Yeah. So, I mean, Jack was so young, man. He was 24, you know, I'm, I'm 34. I've got 10 years on him. I don't know... What one of the, the most perplexing things was, you know, why I survived that period in my early 20s. I think it was because um, I was living in Indonesia where I couldn't smoke pot. I think pot can be really uh, a lot less benign than people think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was part of it. I think uh, at that age I was doing, uh, I was just beginning to do psychedelics and stuff like that. And I, th- and I had a terrible time with them. They were kicking the shit out of me like mushrooms and lsd but it also kind of i feel like it had some effect in terms of uh opening my brain up or like putting me on like i had some pretty major revelations through that period about you know just being open and transparent Mm -hmm. always like just being really open and uh, i I, to this day i'm pretty much an open book like i uh shoot from the hip and then when you 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 say your truth you got to be ready to cop someone else's truth back but that's fucking the best and safest way to get through life and i think that's why i've survived is that openness has led to people giving me information the information i need to survive um 
Mate, um, when I saw the news, it just took my breath away. Uh, it felt like, it felt like uh, Chasm, a hole had been ripped into the surf community, even from all the way over here, I guess mainly because having, as you say, close proximity to the Macaulay family. But after, after everything, you know, we saw Bronte still continuing the event. I was just wanted to get your take on like what was the feeling around the town? Was it just like it yeah, just seems I, so like you say unimaginable? One of the most touching things I witnessed uh, throughout that that period was Bronnie's heat. Uh, I was I think it might have been the only heat I watched during the whole contest. Uh, her semi against Tatiana Western Webb, and in the lead up to the heat, I was making my way there, walking to the event site, and. It, there was just this massive congregation of people just pouring out of shrubbery, like cars. Like there was just this uh, kind of mass pilgrimage to the contest site, and, and to be a part of that, that kind of flowing that of humans, like uh, all going there to support her, uh, was such an emotional moment to see just people getting behind the family in that way, and, and just this huge outpouring of support uh, was. You know, like, it was hard. I was choking. I, I was basically... I cried for three days afterwards, like, periodically. Uh, and that was one of the times I was I was crying. And, um, yeah, it was just... Uh, it was such an intense, intensely emotional period. Um, you know, the Macaulays, to put it in perspective, they are the, the yardstick by which everyone in, in the West measures themselves in terms of... The, the standard of behavior they set they are the nicest uh kindest most loving family uh that, that is exists in the surf community in the west everyone will say that they are the beacon of light uh in that kind of greater community and um for something so dark and tragic to to occur it it, it made zero sense because you knew it wasn't jack's upbringing that did this and um, I think, you know, when his sister called me to tell me the news, the, the first thing that came to mind, I had to ask, I was, you know, like, I was like did he have any serious head injuries? It was the only thing I could think of that could have created uh, this. And, and, yeah, you know, the answer was instant. And I was in no doubt that that played a major role in this. Um, we're hearing a lot about this at the moment from Dr. Mark Gordon. There's a Joe Rogan podcast uh, available, which is anyone with a history of head injuries should listen to. But... Um, there's a lot coming out. It's a very emerging kind of realm of science. Uh, it's cutting-edge stuff, but pay attention to it because uh, it's at the root of so much mental illness and it's very misunderstood. Well, to the Macaulays and to uh, all of Jack's friends and to everyone who surfs in the West and, you know, to all the Swillians, it's just our hearts are with you guys. We love you guys. and um, I completely second that and uh, I love you all. <coughs> Sorry, I don't even know what to say. It's fucking so. I mean, well, I mean, you've got a history of this too. Yeah, Jono. like you had a. We actually had the same injury. I'm pretty sure, a fractured skull, uh, mm. bleeding on the brain. Right. Mm. Um. And and without delving too deep, you've also lost your uh, a brother in, in identical circumstances. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I lost my brother ten years ago to suicide and. It's it's fucking wild, man. Like, um, it, anyone dying young young is just such a tragedy in mm -hmm. itself. But suicide just adds a layer of 
tragedy on top of that that's just so hard to fathom and it's so infinitely sad on the individual level but then like the loved ones that are just left with you know the guilt and the questions and everything that goes on after that it's it's really really it's such a horrible thing and it's it's the statistics are pretty horrifying like it's i think it's it's gone up 60 percent in the last 45 years uh and that's globally and then in ages between 18 and 45 it's like the third leading cause of death or somewhere way up there in that rank so like yeah you know it's funny you said like i went through it and um and and when i when i when we lost my brother i would would always talk to people and and i'd always ask them oh do you know anyone close that's committed suicide and it was nearly nearly every single person was like a resounding like yes they either knew multiple people or or someone close to them so like it's it's something that's around us uh all the time and yeah i mean emerging science around head injuries is is it's be so great when we can try and learn how to treat that sort of stuff but um, obviously there's so many factors that that play into Mm, you know someone's mental mental health i think um i think it's probably worth spending a bit more time on this topic because yeah and i've got a lot to say about this it's something that i've spent the last two years of my life basically trying to stay alive and studying uh all the emerging fields of science around in this space using all the tools i have at my disposal which is extensive when it comes to information you know this is my trade um what i've realized is that like western culture western can capitalist consumer culture is the only one on the planet that pays no attention to training the mind it's as if the mind doesn't even exist in our culture like we train our bodies we uh we train our bodies like fucking nothing else Uh, we're we're fitness uh, physically fitness uh obsessed but Mental training is completely uh, non-existent. And then on top of that, you then have this culture where you, know, you turn on the TV, you're getting advertised <coughs> chocolate milks, fucking alcohol, gambling, um, fast food. All of it's poison. All mm-hmm. of it creates incredibly negative uh, mental health outcomes. Uh, let, let's add to that sex. Sex is... Uh, absolutely uh omnipresent in all advertising again like lust desire um this shit's poison for the mind and for the heart um so like we're basically existing in a culture uh and an economy that is powered by absolute the absolute definition of poison and when you come up with mental illness inevitably as so many people in our culture do you go to a doctor and uh, they'll prescribe you uh antidepressants ssris uh benzodiazepine um whatever it is like they'll give you pills instead of uh you know and and those pills are given for free on the pharmaceutical benefit scheme through the government um who's in bed with big pharma so we're basically living in a culture that's deeply sick and you need to know that um you need to understand that this way of life that we live in is not natural in any way shape or form Um, yeah and then I would say with young men, I know with me in like particular, uh, the kind of family dysfunction I came from, like, and uh, but I think this applies to, to just young men in general. Like, there's a culture of bravado and macho kind of, you know, taking off on big waves. Like, you know, f- that was part of it for me. It was also like, um, you know, playing football and, and tr- trying to put shots on and fucking fight fucking heavies and like this 
this kind of culture of uh, being a big he-man, tough guy. Um, and, and that incurs a serious toll on the brain. Like you mm. know, all, all that oceanic energy rattling your, your brain around, you know, copping shots rattling your brain around. Like, so it's like a perfect storm of uh, factors feeding into negative mental health outcomes. Add, uh, f- you know, you've got 50% divorce rates, which is n- not surprising given the culture that we're living in. So the breakdown of the family unit, um, yeah, like all that kind of stuff. That's I know something that you've experienced, you and your brother experienced, Danny uh, and myself too. Uh, and and I, th- I don't know Vaughn's story exactly, but you know, t- to some degree, um, yeah, has experienced that too. So there's a lot of factors, and you you got to f- you got to fucking know what they are to to um, be safe. Yeah, and I think like Western culture in general to talk sort of bigger picture stuff is so much more individualistic than than the east is we're so much more isolated and that's always always heavily associated with suicide is people's uh, lack of support or lack of sort of that social surroundings that we we need and we thrive mm. on as humans and i've always everyone always but it's it's all about disconnection right it's a disconnection from other people it's a disconnection mm. from the environment it's just as you say so individualistic so driven by the uh and defined by the success of self. Yeah. And, and so much more comes. Uh, and you always hear this as almost step one to uh, any sort of pathway to healing is is give. Like, mm. be the person giving. Yeah, you know? that's actually I, what I, I was going like to say there, Vaughn. Yeah. Sorry. The, no I think the, the, the advice you often hear is that we encourage to speak out. And I don't think... I mean, when, you, when you're really suffering and you're sick in that way... It's not the easiest thing to do, and I think the biggest onus onus is on is for people to try and spot people that uh, need to be listened to and encouraged to speak. Because it doesn't. I don't know if that advice always plays out to just yeah, encouraging people to speak. Because people often isolate people when they're sick. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're really sick, you quite often will alienate all the other people around you, and 100%. you will go down that individual path. So I think encouraging people to to not take that stuff personally and, and to spot someone who mm-hmm. needs support and that he's isolating themselves is probably i don't know i think that's like i think that's pretty useful advice and practical advice we can all uh we can all you know put into action pretty easily 100 percent, man but yeah it's just it's like people it's so hard to tell people what to do or it's so hard for them to listen and absorb that and then do it to fix themselves you know mm. it's fucking hard man it's yeah when you're in that like that headspace it's it's almost impossible, you know. You just kind of you can't change someone. You can encourage them to, um, or you can provide them with an environment where there's help. But yeah, it is. It's a. It's it's a really really complex and tricky mm. uh, scenario. Because a lot of it, you know, it's to do with the ego. Like the the ego is essentially that inner monologue. That's um, it's the voice. It's the thoughts that you're having. And one thing I really struggled with at the start of this journey of trying to you know get well and get healthy and stay alive was you know i I come from like a a very like working class like you know rugby league like fucking street thug kind of background and then to transition into this world of like meditation yoga breath Mm. work was so hard mate the start of that journey was so i felt so humiliated and emasculated yeah for like such a piece of shit man i couldn't believe what i was doing requires a lot of vulnerability that's not exactly oh, part man. of male culture or male youth culture totally totally but this on the same token i also thought like i've 
such a kind of deep skepticism of mainstream culture that I was like, you know what, fuck it, like I'll do this mm. just as a fuck you to like how mainstream capitalism functions. I'm going to do everything that it tells you not to do and, and ridicules as being hippie or left wing or whatever. So I did it all. Um, and it saved me. It saved my life. It's an ongoing process. But um, I would just suggest like just you got to understand that all those thoughts and all that, that that's just conditioning. That, that, that's your ego like stopping you from doing the correct thing. And, mm. and it's also just not about you. It's about your family and other people. Um, one of the things I did was, you know, when I was on the bones my ass, I went and volunteered at a soup kitchen for like six months, whatever, just fucking peeling spuds for homeless people. Um, you know, weird shit, kind of, that you'd never... But that's not weird. That's really great weird. advice because helping people that are less fortunate does incredible things for, totally. for your but perspective. But it's weird in, our, in the context of our culture. Yeah. All of those things I mentioned are, are like not done mm. generally like i don't know one person apart from my granddad who's like an old school catholic kind of dude who, who does that shit mm. so like yeah you, you just need to uh block those thoughts out realize that that's the ego that's your conditioning that's your programming that's your faulty wiring from your fucked up upbringing and your fucked up culture that you're a part of and um you know, go go clean, go pure, brush the booze, brush the gambling, brush the fucking processed shit foods. You know, listen to the Wim Hof with Joe Rogan, first episode, the first one they did, uh, and just, you know, take the journey, take the trip. It's, uh, you can't believe how good life gets on the other side of it. you are in need of help call lifeline on one three one 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 four and uh i'd also really recommend googling guided wim hof breathing technique and just doing that get 10 minutes of oxygen into you before you make any rash decision you owe it to your family to your community to everyone else on planet earth to your mother um yeah take care of each other stay safe swellians um yeah, I don't know what else to say. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Kind to yourself. Righto. Well, Smithy, we are one big family, and uh, we have been on the big family, wouldn't say vacay, but been on the big tour together, the Up in Smoke tour, mm. as our uh, kickback off post-COVID, and uh, we have had some <laughs> blinder nights, epic guests, and uh, we're only halfway through, mate. More shows to come. Uh, we have uh, the Great Northern may 28th that's friday week i think this will come out it depends when you listen to it i suppose but yeah we'll be at the uh, northern byron bay friday 28th 30th is a sunday arvo at the cool and gatter hotel with the coolie kids we're uh, doing a coolie kids reunion no way do not miss it which mick, generation of coolie kids mate mick joel and dingo they're oh. all on stage together we've never had mick as a live guest uh in one in a, a full room so I'm frothing to see what he comes out with, but I'm expecting a pretty much a teardown fest. Mm. I think those guys are going to use this 
as a, a real good opportunity to melt each other's faces off with hardcore burns. Mm. More, more than they even burn each other and everyone else out at Snapper. Mm. I remember the first live show at, it wasn't the first ever live show, but the first live show at Cooley and you asked, you asked Joel a few questions about Mick and he was like, what are you talking about Mick for? He didn't want to, he didn't want to know about it. So I feel like there <laughs> might be a little bit of, might be a little bit of competitive tension. Well, it's funny, man. Like I, when I uh, sent him the text message, I sent it to all three of them going, hey boys, do you all want to uh, come on stage together? And, and Mick and, uh, Mick and, Sorry, Joel and Dingo were just like, yes, this is too good. We're on, we're on. And Mick just texted, oh, well, I can't say no now. And, yeah, I reckon that's going to be an all-time great. Mm. Well, he's basically got to show up to defend himself. Imagine the height he'd cop if he didn't come. Oh, he yeah. would, yeah. Just goes to on stage. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> and then, Smivy, we're heading down into uh, far out, some pretty core territory, man. We haven't, we've done a show before at Coffs, but it, it kind of got hindered pretty heavily by... Uh, by the um, bushfire season, mm. uh, I managed to get through. We were at the Plano, and you didn't, mm. and neither did our sound guy or our lighting guy or anything. So it was just Vorno sitting there. Wink got up and helped co-host, right? The, the great Lee Winkler, the Ewok, mm. and we had uh, Robbie Page on, Sean Cansdell on, and Trent Munro on, and uh, that Otis was, Carey, uh, and Odie. Odie was on too, of course. Coffs Harbour's finest. So we're coming back to Coffs. Uh, we've locked in Oki. Oki's going to be there, and we're going to get uh, a couple of other local core lords to come back on. We might even have to get Cairns back on. He was, I don't know what was going on that night, but he was uh, finding it hard to speak mm. English, at least. And then um, we're heading to Port Mac, mate. Port Macquarie. Mac attack. Yeah. So uh, we're going to head down. I think it's the Tacking Point Tavern. So all of this is... Well, who are you uh, going to get on the port show? Boy we're going to get uh, Parco down there. Oh, so nice. Joel's going to come down. He's family. Yeah, and then we're gonna get um, Darren O'Rafferty, mm. the great Dazza. He was sort of half searcher, half top forty-four CT core lord, but one of the greats from the area, Bonnie Hills man originally. And so those shows are Coffs Harbour on June fourth and Port Macquarie on June fifth. And then we are going back west, but we're going to announce more details of that little tour because I think we're going to try and add a couple of shows to it Smithy mm. uh, I can't wait to get back over there mate and um, really looking forward to just throwing down with the West Oz Swillians oh there's and so Swillians. many of them mm, mm. iconic core lord country deep core country big time so Easy. big thanks to uh, Billabong who have been supporting our live shows since uh, day dot and uh, custom shoes uh, on board with that road bikes can't wait to get back on the road we'll see you at the northern Mm. Mad. Pinky buns are just sitting in a room. They're sweet and sticky and absolutely delicious. Pinky buns, pinky buns. Feed your face in your pinky buns. Number five. Number five. The world tour is in a. What is it, Strickland Bay over there at Rottnest Island? Over at Rotto, yep. Quokka capital of the world. It's on over there. Uh, it's probably going to be done in the next few days, Smithy. But, I mean, just Aussie League in general, boys. Uh, brand new waves on tour. Uh, pretty, pretty much, like, panned out exactly how you thought it was going to pan out in terms of the winners of each event. Mm. But the men's side of the draw, like, what is going on? You would have thought, like, hometown advantage had to play in at some point. Is that a thing, though? Is it a thing? Or is it just that, you I know, the top it... five are so fucking good? 
that nobody really can challenge him. Yeah, Merriweather's a tricky wave, and waves like Pipeline is obviously going to be hometown advantage or home local knowledge. LK going down at, at spots like that, but I think for the most part these guys can show up and and it's not even really a factor. I mean, Morgan Sibilic maybe went further at, at Merriweather, but then he went on and smashed John at Narrabeen as well, and he's not from there. So mm. I don't know if it's, a, it's actually a thing, given the how adaptable and talented these guys are mm. and girls. Have you been? Is, have you guys been tuning in much to the whole Aussie league? Bits and bobs, yeah. yeah. Well, I've, uh, yeah, you know, I guess Westall's. I missed the whole event because my brief over there was to. Uh, document lay days for this Brazilian TV channel and when the comp was on I went surfing because the waves were fucking firing everywhere but uh, I think the, like until Australians can learn to perform uh, the kind of like highly technical aerials with the sorts of make rates that the Brazilians are throwing down we're never going to win a world title so it's as simple as that yeah I, I actually saw glimpses of it though like when we were in Newey and we got all the, the footage of uh, Ryan Callanan for the little on Newcastle video we made. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> Smith, come on. Mm, mm. Oh, it's, it's awesome, mate. Oh, it's incredible, mate. It's, it's fucking uh, good, mate. Fucking it's gold fucking that good, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I was just looking at that surfing going, wow, this is such... Imp- this is so hi-fi, so powerful, just electrifying. Like, on, on every level, looked up to the scratch. And it didn't look like filmed over six or eight months, you know? It looked like a handful of sessions mm. at home, squashed together and and, it, and I was just thinking well where where's that guy in the heats and don't get me wrong Callanan's putting together unbelievable surfing performances you know a couple of big ones but it just feels like the the energy is on a different level like the talent's there the talent's is on the same level but just the energy isn't mm. it's not just like do or die in every heat I mean like that's that's Italo and Felipe for example uh, Felipe really firing up in Margie's but Gabby just looks just so deadly. He looks so oh, mate. ice cold and just ready to go. Until you've watched Medina in a free surf beach break session in like two to four to six foot kind of conditions, you haven't lived. Like, <laughs> mate, that guy is a fucking wizard. He's a freakazoid. There's just, I had the, uh, the pleasure of w- sitting in on a session of his uh, alongside Kingy, actually, Andy King, uh, down there at Suez near Margs during the event window and I've never seen anything like it. It was video game shit. It was it was so unrelatable. It was mm. like a almost uh, borderline unsurfable conditions. Like there was guys who ripped out there who couldn't find a section. And I watched Medina uh, make like six pits in a row, just find six mutant weird pits in a row. He was doing full rotation alley oops straight into like skitty lip line belts. Like just crazy, crazy shit. Crazy. And uh, I'm not seeing that kind of surfing from any Australian on tour, unfortunately. Mm. I mean, I, I think Callan's definitely in that conversation. He, he has it within him to go to that kind of super sane level. But uh, he's got to get there still. Man, it's a, it's just almost another sport we're watching from uh, the Brazilians at the moment. Yeah, and I almost think the men's side has taken the same... Uh, it's almost gone the way in the, the, in the women's side in that... There's three female surfers that are far and away talent level than the rest of the field. And that would be Steph, Carissa and Tyler, in my opinion. And then I think the men's side's almost gone down that same route where Gabby, Italo and John are just so far above everyone else. Maybe Filippo's kind of half in that conversation. And I'm not talking about talent. He, he's there I'm talking he, up till eight foot. For yeah, sure. yeah. 
<laughs> I don't think that's a criticism. It's just that, like, once it's... <clears throat> and I think that Gabby and Idolo, uh, you could take that figure up to about 15 foot. Oh, th- but there's but not once really it goes any... north of there, you like, there's only John John. Yeah. That, that clip he dropped, mm. that fucking 20 minutes of, like, what you're talking about, you know, like, the space, another sport, another mm. just... When I sat down and watched that John John clip, because I really like wanted to give myself time and sit down with it and just mm. marinate in it a bit. And, mate, I got to the end of it and I was going, this is fucking psychotic surfing. Yeah. This is we'll get so... To it. We'll get to it. We're jumping the gun. We're oh, sorry, jumping I'm jumping ahead. Yeah, but um, just comp-wise, for sure. Like, the Brazilians are... The good thing is, the three of them are so good. The three Brazilians who are at the top of the men's. They're so good. They're so on par with each other. They want to beat each other. It's actually fucking incredible to watch them go at it. Mm. You know, we had a, a Gabby Italo final. We had, a, a, I think, Felipe and Italo have had a couple of battles. We've had, Gab- you know, the, the, the mix of those three just coming up against each other is just completely absorbing. And John John in the mix too is good, but it's just those three are the guys. Yeah. Those three are the guys. And, and, you know, if an Aussie, if, if Arkell can make it to that WSL Rip Curl Finals in Trestles, man, having him there is going to be like, you're going to be fingers crossed, toes crossed, legs crossed, nuts crossed. You're going to be crossing everything <laughs> that you can cross. cross. Mm. Just, to, just to will him on in that event because um, I'd love to see it. But if I was going to take away big stories from the Aussie leg, I think the things I would be saying is the emergence of Reef Hazelwood. Because his air game is unbelievable. But mm. my favourite wave of, his, of the whole Aussie leg was just that roundhouse cutty he did. Did you see that? Other than Ryan Callanan's uh, big back backhand one-two at Margie's. It's just this beautiful, perfect figure eight in the middle of nowhere. It just yeah. appeared in this weird heat that I think he lost. And uh, after seeing him just punt with so much confidence pretty much butter out every single landing. Yeah, that's I, I actually asked a bunch of filmers mm. recently who's who's got the, the most consistent make rate because you don't get that from watching edits. You don't you get it a little bit from watching comments, but in terms of guys that are out there, especially free servers, who's got the most uh, consistent make rate with their airs and it was a unanimous Reef Hazelwood. Oh man, he is so good. Seeing him emerge in this Aussie leg, I was like, wow, this guy's fully got it. And I got the feeling if like Felipe and Italo were literally bringing A-game airs to a heat, and he felt like he was having a heater himself. I reckon he'd match him. I'm, I really do. I reckon he's that good. He's got the loftiest fucked-up hang time of anyone, mate. Like He's like Jordan when he jumps in the air. He's just mm. floating. Mm. Floating, Smithy. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like the, uh, the Brazilians are exploiting a niche in world tour, the World Tour kind of context, which is... They can take off on small inside waves under priority and basically still get eights and nines. And, uh, until we can figure out a way to kind of combat that, I can't see how we're going to keep pace. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I think you're absolutely... You, you Daddy invented that niche because when he came on tour, you, it just priority just went out the window because he was looking at... I mean, the, the uh, obvious example is uh, the Parco... Gabby Heat, where he didn't even do airs. He was on the inside, just backside whacking little Marley and just, I don't know what it was that, that changed there. But ever since then, he's been almost the most, well, he's easily been the most terrifying guy to have in a heat because whatever you want to do with priority means nothing. They need it. They, all they need is a two to three foot ramp mm. 
and they're, uh, they're, they're all, you can almost guarantee they're going to be putting up minimum sevens in a heat. If there's like inside two foot, three foot, fucking piddly closeouts, they'll they'll you know Idaloa uh, or Gabby will have they'll catch fucking eight to nine waves and they're going to stick at least three or four psycho corked area reverse rotations yeah. and and they're going to get mid sevens. Mid- and Yago I wonder, Dora's like, in that convo. Fleet Toledo's in that convo. Hundred percent. And I, I want and this, this is this is why the cutty stood out, Reef's cutty, because I was like, wow, that was just so beautiful to watch. That was just absolutely sublime surfing, man. Like a full figure eight, fully extended roundhouse with a full whip off the whitewash, and it looked like the most original thing in the whole comp. Like more so to me, it was a bigger talking point than Italo's non-make make backside air to the flats. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it just it just got completely overlooked. And I thought that that was an opportunity to sort of pull it back to some middle ground because those uh, full rotors are just, yeah, like you say, they, they're just a get-out-of-jail-free card if yeah. you're having a shocker. But if they're on the sets, they'll fucking light them up with a, an array of super critical turns as well. And so mm. th- they've kind of got both bases covered. It's just a nightmare <laughs> at the moment. It's a full blown nightmare. Line. It mate. makes it the most entertaining heats, though, because you always know that when they're out there, there's going to be lead changes and they don't doesn't really matter. It's not really swell-dependent. So many heats can be really boring. If they're slow, they're mm. typically boring because there's just not the opportunity. But when when it's a wave catching competition, it's just it's kind of boring. Like who cares who catches the best way? But th- those guys can always just punt their way to victory no matter what the conditions are like. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Like watching guys sit for forty minutes and really just measuring out two waves. It's just fucking not a good spectator no. sport, is it? Like there's good point. There's got to be a couple of changes there because. I mean, at least the Brazilians, like Italo caught 17 waves in his first heat at Newcastle. <laughs> did he? 17 <laughs> waves. And he did. Oh, okay, what like, about... I think he did something like 13 airs. Hey, in and he was going left. Meriwether's <laughs> 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 a right. In the Olympics, they test uh, for caffeine. You, you, there's a certain level, there's a like critical point of caffeine that is oh, wow. considered... A, He's going to be in trouble. A legal substance. When are we going to start testing that guy's piss? Because <laughs> now that he's sponsored by Red Bull, he was already on downing eight coffees a day. Well, he looks like he's gurning in post-heat interviews. Oh, His mate. jaw's flying all over the shop. Oh, and and wait now till he, wait till he loses a heat. Fiberglass splintering. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, he's... Uh, They've tried to actually take a urine sample from him, but it just melted straight through the bottom <laughs> of the cup. Just like battery acid. It actually melted a little hole in the ground as well. You can look down the middle and see Beijing. <laughs> but uh, that was a big story. I thought that the um, the uh, John John injury, obviously, the, the knee, nothing spoken. Uh, what, uh, surfing is so good how it's just Secret. unaccountable for anything. Secret like you just, you, you can just, disappear from the comp not have any explanation appear in a hospital bed with surrounded by people and just go yeah he still hasn't said what the the injury is yet and it's it's not the same acl it's his other leg so he's injured his acl twice and then he's injured his front leg this time and he still hasn't mentioned what it is and he's been and he said that he's going to be okay for the olympics he's been all like cagey and weird about it but kalohe's injured and he's got a healing head start on john and then Kelly's still claiming he's injured, but I'm sure he won't uh, once that Olympic spot opens up. I mean, if it does open up, from either Kolohe or John. Mm. So it's a weird, bizarre little mental game-playing secrecy uh, world at the moment. Mm. What can, uh, I guess, you know, what can Australia do from an Australian perspective? What can we do to, to match the Brazilian storm? Or, like, why are they 
in the position they're in and why are we fucking so far off the pace? Man, I, I actually uh, was talking to Mick about this on Getting Heat. I had a guest appearance on, the, uh, on the Wuzzle podcast the other day and I think it comes down to uh, the, com- the, the camaraderie of Brazil uh, is born and bred in this sort of regional circuit that they've got there. Uh, it's not born and bred there, sorry. It's 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 like uh, it it grows there. You know what I mean? Like that's where it it, it has this uh, opportunity where you've got young guys, older guys, established guys. It's a really successful regional tour, and I think that with the the regional series that's going to pop up, you know the way they've delaminated the QS, brought it back to each country. So you're going to have a lot of people traveling, a lot of people with different ages. It's going to build a team mentality, and then. I think when they hit the Challenger Series, there'll be a little bit more of a national team atmosphere that we just haven't had because the way it's been going in Australia is that the best guys, they get a shit ton of money. Or oh, this is how it's happened, you know, pre-COVID, pre-GFC or in that realm of the last big money contracts was those guys were just basically isolated from everyone else. They, they, tr- they toured on their own. They already had their own coaches. They had their own filmers. They weren't necessarily part of a gang. And so the best surfers in the world get onto the, the big stage and they don't really have this sort of like all for one, we're doing it for the country mentality. It's all for me. I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it for like my family, my, my future, like whatever their motivation is, my success basically. And I just think that that's damaged the Australian surfing elite. I feel like uh, with Morgs, half the reason why... Uh, I just saw a little hint of it with Morgs and Maddie McGilvray because they did the QS together. They qualified together. They're both young rookies who, who no one's really put a whole lot of fanfare around. And uh, Morgs comes out of the gates, does it gets a couple of good results. Actually started with Maddie. He made the semis at the Tweed Coast sort of warm-up comp. Then Morgs came out, got a couple of good results. And then Maddie makes the semis over in WA. And you can just see that those two guys with their coach have built their own little team. Yeah. They're not just doing it on their own. They're not like lambs to the slaughter when they got on the CT. They've got a full working little unit and they're pumping each other up. And I think that Australia will benefit heaps from that once this regional series kicks in legitimately and like they're competing against each other, but then they've got a bigger goal when they hit the Challenger Series because everyone who qualifies for that Challenger Series from Australia will want to see the other Aussies get on tour. It's and not just like... Yeah, best of luck to you. I'm, I'm thinking about myself now. And up until about a decade ago, I don't know exactly when it crossed over. The Australian Junior Series was considered the pinnacle of junior surfing. Like internationally, surfers would travel to come over and compete on the Australian Junior Series because it just generated so much talent. It was this incredible run-up in, into a world tour career. What happened to the it Junior forged Series? forged lifelong friendships too, man. Like yeah. when you're 15, 16, such formative years... You're spending half your life in a bus uh, traveling around with other crew and some parents can't do some trips, so you jump in with them and you're just having the time of your life being a, being a, a young up-and-coming surfer. But What happened? Did the sponsorship dollars fall fall away from that? Yeah, tour? I the think GFC the GFC happened, man. <laughs> uh, uh, to put it simply, a housing market crash in middle America killed the Australian Junior Series. <laughs> and that's why we Pretty don't have any, yeah. anyone well, in the top five. Damn it. <laughs> Fucking... And it, it, I guess it was kind of a, a conversation we were having before the show, though. There's some things that are worth doing, um, whether you get paid for it or not. And I guess we're learning that the hard way, Australian surfing right now. Like, the Junior Series fell over because there was no financial support for it. And as a result, uh, the World Tour elites are suffering. 
Um, and I, I guess in Brazil, I'd imagine they would have almost never had significant financial support for their Challenger series or whatever. You know, they were doing it purely for the purpose of doing it, mm. to get their guys up to scratch, to create a, a circuit. Um, they're not from a, a country where uh, there tends to be a lot of wealth on offer for the, the fledgling sports people. They're usually coming from that poverty, so they're willing to f- surf for nothing as mm. long as they get the opportunity. Ironically, though, that, that is one of the, the better funded tours now. The Brazilian yeah. uh, junior circuit. The, although the regional uh, circuit over there in Brazil. Can't remember what it's called, but... um, Was that the case during uh, the oh, rise no. of Italo, Abs- Medina, oh, Jadson? Maybe, yeah. Maybe uh, it was just starting to come into fruition there. I think Jaddy and... Um, like cause, Because there was a, a Brazilian storm before the Brazilian storm enjoyed success, there was the Flavio Paterats and Fabio Gouveia sort of trailblazing on tour as far as like getting some sponsor dollars and doing it properly. But then you had the Neko... Hanan Rocha, but Pedersen, these guys were routinely Rosa. making up the 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 bottom fifteen, bottom ten of the world tour. They were they were not in the elite world Vic, world Vic, title conversation. Victor Ribas and uh, Neko Paderats climbed the tree at times. At times, but yeah, and and, and that, just, they were never. But it all builds on the back of these these uh, efforts. You know what I mean? I, like, see, I don't know if it does though, because I look at the surfing that Brazilians are doing now, and it's completely unrelatable to that era of surfing that generation surfing you're talking about like these guys are complete surfers they're as good uh, you know medina won uh won the chopes event his first go around and it was maxing it was fucking like eight to ten foot um and he's as good at snapper as he is at uh, a two foot beach break as as he is at margaret river there's no weak point and that's the question for me he's like where did this complete surfing attack come from those guys had like a it was basically like a, a layback frontside gouge it was like the, the, the go-to <laughs> maneuver and like they, co- <laughs> they superimposed that onto their backhand but it was like the most one-dimensional surfing and there was a it, style they famous too. for it they always had so much bum and not like good bum like oki bum but just like this there was just this distinct brazilian style there that was it was pretty but they, that, for a that, while. and I feel, I feel like it's what has happened what is not spoken about enough is the internet the internet's effect on this. Like, yeah. those guys grew up in a vacuum of surfing inspiration. Mm. All they would have had to go on was VHSs that were circulated locally in their Brazilian surfing communities. Therefore, like, they're not really seeing what's being done uh, in the other corners of the globe. And now you have uh, a generation that's grown up with the internet, able to watch the latest, you know, Kai Neville releases, whatever, and then superimpose that surfing onto their shitty, mushy beach breaks. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically, you know, their minds are being blown by this acrobatic style of surfing by the likes of Dusty Payne, Geordie, Dane. Uh, and, and it's like, oh, we actually have waves that we can perform this kind of surfing. And they took that surfing and they fashioned it uh, to a point where they can replicate it on demand. They can stick these punts, you know, and, and that's where the grit comes in. That's where the poverty comes in. They, they took uh, inspiration from the cutting edge uh, of first world surfing and then you've got these third world battlers who, who are surfing for their family's fucking future mm. and they've just ref- turned it into a, a bankable art. But the other thing also is... Ho- is holy fuck, hold on a second. Case closed. That was pretty... Case <laughs> <outside. laughs> closed. Your honour. <laughs> Your honour. <laughs> no, well done. I, I just think uh, momentum plays a huge part of it as well. Being on the, f- on the front edge of like undeniable success like as a group, you know, that's, that's a contagious energy. I remember when the Cooley kids were coming through and they just... Started winning CTs before they'd even qualified uh, with Joel and Mick. Joel winning J-Bay and Mick winning Bells. 
the whole country was just going, oh, here we go, finally. You know, like, the momentum generation's done. We're, we're coming on strong again. And, like, Australian surf fandom grew with those guys. Mm. And, and uh, the talent of every junior after them, like, that's, what, that's why so much money went into the juniors around that time as well because everyone was going, oh, man, we're on the cusp of something huge here. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's just I think that that, that momentum plays in it. I reckon well. there was also... Medina winning that title, it was like Roger, ba- Roger Bannister running the four-minute mile. You know, everyone was trying to do it for a long time. And then as soon as that, that threshold, as soon as it was broken, uh, it just seemed like it was anyone could do it. And I feel like the Brazilians, just given their run since then, it, it's, it's been kind of on the back of Medina just winning that first Brazilian world title and making them all realise it was possible. And, and think about the fashion in which he won it. I mean, he beat Fanning, right, in, in a final at, at like four-foot uh, pipe. With an alley Yeah. And that, for me, is... Front side air rev that with a layback into the whitewash. Was oh, that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was like a, a glitchy kind of punt, like the most uh, non-pipeline masters brand of surfing imaginable. Oh, you know, that was actually D'Souza's world title, and he just so... Uh, Mick was, oh, it was, was too. Running it for was it. too. And yeah. he actually, you know, Mick had to beat D'Souza to keep going on and, and right. win. But yeah, you're right. Same thing. Well, I guess my, my point is this, though... When Fanning and the, the Cooley kids were making their making their progress up up the World Tour ranks and, and dominating the tour, their brand of surfing was the brand of surfing. You know, it was refined, smooth, mechanical carving, uh, surfing, down-the-line surfing. Uh, and then the Brazilian storm has completely changed the sport. That kind of surfing, Australians are still the masters of that kind of surfing, generally speaking. You know, John might have uh, something to say about that. But we're still incredibly good, given a quality canvas to work with. Brazilians don't need that. Mm. They can do that surfing, but uh, they can probably probably not do it to the, the style metrics that we can pull it off in. But they can just do a whole brand of surfing that belongs purely to them, and they can do it whenever they want. Uh, and, and so, yeah, that, it's redundant. That fucking, like, stylish... Surfing purist Fanning Parko surfing that Australians admired for decades and still believe is the holy grail of surfing. Yeah, is no longer the holy grail of surfing by the metrics of the WSL. Yeah, these guys have got Mick Fanning level consistency with airs and scrappiness and scrapping totally. it to wins, which is which is all that really matters when you've got unpredictable <laughs> shitty conditions wow. for half well, the events. Can you see a uh, anything other than a Brazilian world title this year? No way. Fuck no. <laughs> Argument closed. (laughs) (laughs) Number four. Naps from home. John John Florence's new release. It was penile expanding mind boggling (laughs) madness. Man, the this is the disconnect, isn't it? Because what a segue from you know what you were saying. They've turned the WSL into their own personal play thing. But you watch this twenty minute video of John John. And all those attributes about good surfing, you know, just packing mondo conage, fucking dragging your balloon knot down the face of a 20-footer and just getting oh. hectic vis, siphoning back door like it's fucking fuel out of your best mate's car when you've run out of gas at the fucking <laughs> party. Like, it's just <laughs> fucked up, mate. It's fucked up. Oh, I how is it? believe. Oh. Like, man, look, this is the disconnect, right? This is this has to be said. The disconnect between the WSL and the best surfer in the world. Yeah. Because this guy is the best. Mm. Like he might not be the best. 
I mean, he's competitive and he's with the Brazilians in those heat situations, no matter what the waves are doing. But fuck me, mate. That video is the most... As you said, Smithy, it's fucking like eating shrooms and going wandering in the desert for a few days, mm, mate. You mm. just see shit you can't believe. Yeah. That opening section at uh, Giant, what is that, Himalayas or one of those outer reefs there in Hawaii? Far out. Is uh, as exhilarating footage that's ever been seen in the history of surfing, I reckon. It's, it's up there with that thundercloud kind of stuff uh, from Fiji in 2012. But yeah, just the everything about it, like the way it was put together, mm. whoever edited that, you know, props to them. But just the colour of the water. And for me, John's style in waves of that mortal coniquence is just, it doesn't change. Yeah. He's still as calm, smooth and stylish, no matter if it's a 25 foot plus Pacific blue orb, as he is at a six foot, you know, pipeline. Perfect tune. And like, I just, I, I, another thing that tripped me out, I can't wait to get your take on this, but... How many barrels have we seen at Backdoor? How many barrels have we seen at Pipe? And that clip re it reinvents the game again. Like, I didn't know you could get deeper yeah. at, at those two waves. Like, I didn't know you could sort of wrangle foam balls, like, harder than they have been wrangled. I did not know that you could fucking take lines at Pipe where you're, you're kind of almost doing these Tom Carroll snaps mm. under the first ledge, but you're doing it so far back that you... you like, <laughs> You're not even like. There's no way he can see what's going on when he's that far deep and he's that high up on the face. Like it's just, it's feel on a whole different level. Oh, eh? It's, it's vortex shamanism. It is shamanism, mate. At its most spellbinding. It's the fucking purple. What's that fucking one up here? What's that one called? The chakra. Mm. He's enlightened. He is there. <laughs> it's finished. It's over. Mm. Yeah, you know what? You know what it is? It's ass muscles as well. Tom Bird from Perth, one of the owners of Stab pointed out to me the other day, his, his power and everything is, it's kind of all anchored around this, his butt muscles that are just <laughs> so fucking like underrated. No one talks about his ass. Has he got one of those, uh, you know, those kind of wrist, wrist strengthening little clencher things? He just sticks that in his corn and starts I, flexing it in and out? Potentially. <laughs> I would say that's his secret, yeah. And you know what the other thing about John, I reckon, is, is, is oh interesting my. is, is Kelly surfs so far and away above everyone else in his generation, and he's got 11 world titles to prove it. And, and, and surfing's constantly progressing. And so, you know, you can't really look at Kelly's surfing from back then and think, wow, it's just... And, and let him tell... Let, let the surfing alone tell the picture. Whereas John John, he might only have two world titles and a couple of feeble knees that'll potentially rob him from, you know, a million world titles like Kelly. But the surf he's, he's doing in these edits might never be touched. Like, it's hard to imagine surfing eclipsing this. Like, what you said, like, the enlightenment in terms of the, the feel and, and just how well-rounded he is. He can do everything in all conditions. It's hard to imagine, and you've got to try really hard to, uh, to imagine surfing ever being better. Mm. That Hallie Eva section as well, <sighs> it's as good as surfing gets. Like... In terms of like the complete package, he's getting ten foot stand tours, and then just doing these F fourteen fighter jet calves. Mm. Like, <laughs> it's uh, I didn't even know. And, and he's and toying with it, and it's huge. Yeah, yeah, you say. And it's, he's it's high performance madness on the fucking most grand canvas. Yeah, and then he gets in and he cracks open a few macadamia nuts with his butt cheeks. Mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> I wonder if he actually mushes it Boing. into milk for his cappuccino as well. Just all with his butt cheeks, mate. We've been focusing on the corn. We should have been focusing on the glitch. I'm telling you, man. Check out his like. Check out his his posterior chain. It is, it's perfectly sculpted, mate. And oh, what a scoop! I better get my trench coat on and my monocle and get right in there. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the bottom of this, mate. This has got to be tested, on the Everyone's focusing on the knees. Everyone's yeah. focused on. The I reckon that's why his knees are blown out because you can't you can't manage the power coming down from that that middle middle back Ooh, section. Yeah. Maybe instead of a corn, he's actually just got some super weighty ballast in there, <laughs> some kind of emerald jewel, some kind of like metal that we don't really know the origins of. Yeah, we'll have to get him to walk through a couple of metal detectors. I mean, this but, I this mean, idea that you know, born to a single mother on the north shore of Hawaii. It was a bit fanciful to begin with, wasn't it? I mean, do you buy it? Just, uh, are, you sh- are you sure he's not some kind of alien? Y- y- yeah, it's the Immaculate Conception, perhaps. Mm. <laughs> totally. Mm. He's uh, yeah, just beamed into uh, beamed into his mother's pineal gland, and nine months later, out he came with a bumhole full of did kryptonite. Did you know he's uh, he's true story, <laughs> true story, conceived on a bullet train. Oh well, that explains it all. <laughs> Just think about that for a while. <laughs> Let me leave that with you. Marinator. Number three. Number three. The Dark Hollow premiere in Newcastle, Vaughan. Oh, Dion Agus's new Psytrance Bergheim Doofest meets high performance <laughs> surfing her madness. Oh, mate. And we witnessed it go down in a kind of, uh, it was like a, a Vatican-esque dome, this oh. theatre Par excellence. I felt like I was in a David Lynch film meets Sons of Fun. It felt like it was just the most unbelievable coming together of generations of filmmaking perspectives of, uh, you know, abstract meets literal of just, it was just an explosion of worlds, Smithy. Mm. And uh, we were sitting together and it was just a great night. So the night to set the, uh, set the scene was the Jack McCoy surf talk and jam night. So uh, Jack McCoy's been basically on the same program as us. We've been doing the Up and Smoke tour a night or so before or after. Pretty Jack similar shows, I imagine. And fairly clientele. similar, yeah. Jack's been getting up and and uh, sort of telling stories, and and he's got like Oki and uh, special guests turning up. Tom Carroll's come to a couple. Uh, Ronnie was hosting it, but Smithy and I went along, and we sat in the front, well, you know, a few rows back, and. We watched uh, the whole first couple of hours is, is Jack going through all the classic films, you know, Sons of Fun, Bunyip Dreaming, um, even like a few stories from Tubular Swells. Classic he, stuff, he, Jack's mate. been there. Oh, oh, he's, anyway. he's, 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 he's so legendary, it's hard to believe. Yeah, he started out like those really, really early. Uh, who were those, who's made those really early? Well, Dick Hall and, and Jack McCoy, Basically around the tubular swell sort of era. Yeah, but even before that, he was selling the tickets. Like he's, That's he's right. so ingrained to, to these big um, these big movies that had come through Hawaii. He's so ingrained in surf culture and history. It's unbelievable. He's yeah. through every generation. He's it's just crazy. And it's crazy to see how much surfing's grown in the time that he's been involved in it. And to think like, where is it going to be in another 50 years? And how will someone like Jack be viewed then? Yeah. In say 50 or 100 years time. Like a guy like him will be the equivalent of fucking Gandhi or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) No, like, or like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, basically Gandhi or some like uh, Leonardo da Vinci Mm. or like he'll be kind of, you know, surfing will be this 
I don't even know. It'll be in 100 years' time. But, uh, yeah, he has had his fingers in the pie since day dot, and he's responsible for so much important cultural direction. Uh, and the night was was a really nice uh, reflection of all that, I thought. Like, it, it combines... You know, Dion is such a fan of Jack's work. He's so inspired by Jack's work. So, he, uh, you know, he was... He paid homage to that in a, in a great way, and, and it was just this kind of this great passing of the baton between generations. But the passing was just, uh, I, I found it so incredibly comical because on one hand you've got Jack up there, um, you know he introduces Dion, they talk about how they met. Dion went to his house, uh, took a beautiful photo, they put it up on the big screen, and <laughs> you know they're setting up this scene and. And all the whole night has just been about Jack and his films and what he's trying to create. And if you think about Jack's movies, uh, especially the, those core era Billabong ones, um, Bunyip Dreaming, Green Iguana, Sick Joy, Sons of Fun, right through to the Billabong Challenges, mate, they're the most feel-good, wholesome, fucking stoked-out version of surfing that you can imagine. They're so positive. They're so fucking stoked, man. And he introduced Dion, and he goes, so Dion's made this film. I haven't seen it yet. Um, you know, we've tried to, like, I, I wanted him to send it to me. I offered it for, to give him some advice on it. and But, you know, he hadn't finished it yet. So, um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, here's Dark Hollow, uh, a film by Dion Aegis. And Dion... And then he, I remember Jack kind of shuffled side of stage, and uh, Dion handed him a couple of blue pills. He goes, you know, just drop a couple of these before it kicks <laughs> off. And... <laughs> They turned the they turned the volume up to eleven and it just fucking blew Jack's toupee right off, oh, mate. It brother, was incredible. It was, wow. I was looking at Smithy because Dion's movie, Dark Hollow, if you haven't seen it, please check it. Because to pull off fucking abstract an abstract, hardcore, surrealist art piece like this, with very little sense of humor, and fucking actually do it right and mm. nail it, like fully nail it. I, I, like you I could just imagine the haters sitting there going, fuck, I can't wait to rip this thing in your asshole. It's impossible to hate. It's, it's so, so fucking well, well done, executed, man. Yeah. And it is just a journey, as like Smithy said, through like 58 dimensions and not 57 of them are the best doof you've ever fucking walked <laughs> into. Probably in Berlin, probably with some fucking dude who in actually invented the strobe light and the fucking music together. It is just so uh, such an attack on the senses. And I just couldn't help. But look over at Jack, who was sitting on the side of the stage and just going, what the fuck is he making of this? Because this is out of his universe. Oh, totally. It's the exact opposite of any of Jack's films. It's, you know, the other fucked up thing is, is just how good Dion's surfing in it. Like, it's definitely the, the seminal uh, artifact of his career because he's stylistically, artistically, it's just on a next level. But then he's surfing in it too. I know he spent a long time making it. I think he worked on it for like three or four years, and it's it's fucking perfect. Oh, that's the genius of Dion's career is that he is able to to fit his surfing into a grander artistic vision. So the focus is not necessarily on what he's doing surfing wise, whether it's cutting edge surfing, although it always is. It's there thereabouts, but it's it fits into a, an overarching aesthetic soundscape, um, and it, it always hits. Every project he's a part of fucking hits like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Whether it's uh, you know, the stuff at the, the the original stuff in the Abu Dhabi like wave pool or wherever it was, um, you know, all the work with Joe G. Everything has these. It's just dripping in artistic merit, and it's always psychedelic. It's just always a treat 
for the senses, you know. And I think for me, that's what surf films have always been about. It's not always been about the best surfing in the world. I think um, that has to be somewhat part of the equation, but it's also about the artistic vision. When you look at the likes of George Greeno, um, uh, his films, I mean, Morning of the Earth did have the best surfers in the world, for sure, yep. at the time, but uh, it was also matched by the artistic vision of Albie Falzon and, and, you know, just the eclectic influences that coursed through Albie's veins. Uh, and I know Dion's influenced greatly by both those guys as well as Jack. And his artistic influence is, is so eclectic. You know, this is a guy who lived in New York for a year, lived in Stockholm, you know, landlocked fucking cities in Europe and America and just sucked in as much music, art, culture as he possibly could and then still had the, I don't know, the uh, ability to, to keep his surfing at a, a, a decent, like, you know, decently world-class level and... Fuck, we're all benefiting from it, man. I think mm. he, he really doesn't get the, the credit he deserves just as, as a visionary. Yeah. Fully back that. Fully yeah. back it. And we, we had him fully, on. Fully back. in backing Dion. Fully <laughs> in backing Dion. Fully in backing Dion. He went a little quiet there. I was like, what is Dion doing? You, you didn't see him for a couple of years down Neck in Tassie. Wop, 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 Mate, fucking ten out of ten for Dark Hollow. I, I, I just thought it, 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 it was so good for me. It just eclipsed any fucking mega shitty comment that any hater could throw at it. Yeah, so it just felt like droplets of water on on duck feathers, just rinsed off. Like it just it, it excelled above all of that shit. Just for every single thing that you touched on there, Smithy. It was such a it was such a celebration of of everything that has made him who he is as an artist mm. and i just felt like the vision i connected with it it's yep. the best way to view him view him as an artist more so than a surfer mm. i think uh yeah he's he's a guy who you know he's the son of a guy who was on the vanguard of surf films as we found out uh when we had him on the podcast his dad was uh what was he involved in like basically uh he was the first guy to screen a lot of the iconic surf films of the 70s and 80s in tasmania and he had all the had all the big roles of film that's what the world dion grew up in isn't that wild that's the same story as jack same story as jack mccoy wow it's just uh yeah history repeating my friend and so did you get a take from jack after the film what was his i i didn't actually i I had to leave earlier i spewing because i feel like jack would have had to actually process that for probably fucking six months, mate. I reckon it was just so fucking outrageous for him to even like try and comprehend what because there's literally there's almost like that. Uh, is it Pavlov's dog or what's that that uh, mind control technique where they prop your eyes open with matte sticks <laughs> and they make you just watch repetitive images mm. over and over and over. Clockwork Orange, yeah, close Pavlov's yeah. dog. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty something similar to that, um, but yeah, like you know they br- it just breeds energy into you like whether you like it or not yeah it's got all of that sort of <laughs> stuff going on so yeah i feel like jack probably went home and um you know put on his favorite paul mccartney cd as he does and then like you know all <laughs> of a sudden just went fuck i don't really feel like listening to this and just chocked into the fucking german <laughs> berlin doof <laughs> just started like ripping in and didn't know why yeah, dion has got yeah. into his brain mate i'm telling you yeah yeah <laughs> no I, I after the show was over i uh I was making my way out and, you know, just made sure to say thanks to Jack. I saw him, you know, he was still there right at the death uh, after the band had stopped playing. He came out and greeted a couple of people and I 
simply said to him, just thanks, mate. That was sick. Thank you. Yeah. And he was frothing. Yeah. You know, he was, he, I think everyone loves to be a part of culture. Culture is a, a moving, growing bacteria. Uh, and it's just fucking good to be a part of. It is absolutely right. And, um, yeah, I was, I felt the same. Really privileged to be there. I actually, was sick, man. I felt really privileged to be in that, uh, crosswave of those two things. Just, you know, having this moment of, uh, full collision. It was epic. It was epic. Number two. Number two. The Australian board writers battle taken out by who else than a Nathan Hedge led North Narrabeen. Are you kidding me? Man, look, I, I don't know. I don't need to go too deep into this weekend, Smithy. We all know how I feel about it. I've been commentating it for three or four years now. And it's just, if you feel like Australian surfing has lost its way a bit without sort of, you know, results on the CT, well, don't stress. Don't stress, guys. Don't stress, girls. Your board riders club scene is absolutely fucking cooking. Uh, and what I love about it is that the teams who get picked, like, yeah, okay, you th- you're taking your best surfers to these things, but they bring big crews with them. They bring big support crews. It's like the mums who run the sausage sizzle. It's the kids who are going to be hopefully surfing in these things one day, and the energy on the beach is just so legit and so fun and so fucking epic. But the only real surprise to me was that um, every year we see, like, a minnow club kind of, like, you know, a, an emerging club make the final and challenge. And North Shelley, was it? Well, North Shelley's been in the final mm. that close to a, a win for years. And North Shore from the Sunny Coast won mm. last year. But this year, the the, uh, the big dogs just came out and fucking wiped everyone. It was actually like they've all got younger teams. They're not sort of relying on the big names anymore. They've they've gone with the, sort of the depth of their club, the, the upcoming youth, Dylan Moffat from Narrabeen who surfed as a wild card at the Narrabeen Fuck, CT. he's a star, man. He man, he, he's put a couple of waves together that were insane. But um, the best thing about it, by far, is it's a non-sexist format. Like, th- there's no women's, then men's, then this or that. Like, everyone's surfing against each other. You are surfing as one unit, as a club, and you've got Sophie McCulloch surfing against B. Derbidge surfing against, you know, the concreter from... North Shelley, mm. Shane Holmes. So you're just you're just seeing the best of Australian surfing all going at it, and mate, everyone contributes, and it's just a marvelous weekend. But in saying that, it's hard to see a better team man than the Hog. No, oh. jeez, it's like <laughs> running out with Tony Rodonigas. So he's mm. just a face slapping <laughs> lunatic. Mm. Indeed, I tell you, uh, it's yeah, very valid that you touch on the the kind of non-sexist format. It's incredible just to see. You know, women feeding it to men for failure to perform. It's great. I mean, I, you don't tend to see that outside the bedroom. But, uh, <laughs> geez, it was good, you know, just seeing Philippa just ripping. Come on, what's that? You're fucking bogging it. You're a disgrace. <laughs> Play a fucking head in, Jacko. Give me something. Right, it's so true. It's so true. Like, the, the it's... It's the women who are carrying those teams a lot mm. of the time. They get out there with the, the least amount of time because they... they the, Clubs all will, they're starting to learn where, where to, you know, st- strategically you put your best competitors out at different times. But Philippa, you know, in a team of so many great surfers, is always sort of second last for some reason. Paddling out with nine minutes on the clock, takes about eight minutes if the surf's six foot to get out there and get one. And she'll turn around, get a little inside grower, whack the fucking shit out of it, 
get back in in sort of a minute and a half and has done more for the team than fucking half the half the other crew. You know what I mean? So I love that team element. Mm. Still, it's such it. a good format as well because it doesn't matter about wave quality. That's the biggest thing. Like every Big time. every wave matters because just given the time constraints and and the way they've got to swap over and move through the roster. It, I just don't get why they didn't use this format for the Olympics. I feel 100%. like the Olympics are going to be irrelevant because it'll never be as, you know, as 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 a better constructed competition as the tour is. So the, uh, it's going to be such a novelty. If they made the Olympics like team like this, it just would have been so good mm. and so much more watchable. Totally agree. Hundred mm. mm-hmm. percent. Number one. Number one. Go. 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 Goat, 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 to lock in their teams. And it appears as though America... America! 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 I love you, America. It looks like uh, they've basically got a choice here from the... Uh, the uh, a Trumpian, a San Clemente base. I mean, I, I believe he lives basically adjacent to Nixon's compound mm. in Chloe Andino. Uh, he's one option. They've then got a Hawaiian-born, uh, I guess, product of neo-colonialism, um, a distant American flavour in the form of John John Florence. I mean, they're clutching at straws, frankly, trying mm. to bring him under the stars and bars, aren't they, Vaughn? Yeah, big time, big time. I think I think all the Hawaiians are feeling a little bit of... Well, I mean, that's a, they want to surf for the Olympic Games. Are you, are you a proud American if you're a Hawaiian? Like, are you a, a staunchly proud American if you're Hawaiian? Well, Don't they fucking hate Americans? It, ma- it made the New York Times. Did you see this? No. It just came out today. There's a, an article, and I think the headline's a quote from John John on the New York Times that says, I'm not anti-America, I'm pro-Hawaiian. And it's all about this topic of uh, John surfing for America as opposed to Hawaii. Mm. Hawaii. <coughs> well, he's hedged his bets very nicely there. It's got the kind of... Spin doctoring, but it's, as soon as you say I'm not anti-American, like instantly everyone goes, "Well, yes, you are," because you said that. Mm. Like, like that's that's just how it works. You're like, if you say I'm not anti-American, don't you get thrown straight in Guantanamo and <laughs> tortured and waterboarded, and because mm. it's a, like it's, a, it's basically a precursor for saying but. Mm. And as soon as they part, you're fucked. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the subtext to that Hawaiian missile crisis was indeed that John John was refusing to surf for America in the Olympics. Ah. That's, uh, they detoured the, the missile and exploded it somewhere over the Pacific at the last second because <laughs> he, he signed wow. the contract. He was quite clever with his verbiage. The, the headline is actually a quote, but it says, I'm not anti-anything, I'm pro-Hawaii. Ah. So he's been clever there. He hasn't I just pulled it up. And Hang on a minute. He's not anti-anything? Like anything at all? No, he loves rapists, murderers, <laughs> um, pedophiles. He's not anti oh, anything. Yeah, well, he's even gone to the trouble of listing him in dot point. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't from the New York article. Times article. Wow. Um, so, yeah, look, 
They're in strife, Smitty. Like, as far as um, ideal preparation for the games goes, oh, I this mean, is not it. Oh, it's definitely strife. When you're wheeling out a 48-year-old uh, you know, man with a Zimmer frame <laughs> to compete in your Olympic team. <laughs> yeah. But, I'm clutching at straws. Just as, uh, like, look, you, you, the three of us being complete surf tragics, nerds, whatever you want to call us. Like, you know, we've, we've lived the Kelly Slater experience. We have at times probably loved it when we were young. I've gone through our period of, like, feeling a bit awkward with it. No, I didn't. And there was total apathy when he won about his eighth world title. Yeah, just not caring anymore. Then kind of, like, getting a bit off it and then uh, coming back around to it. Mm. I mean, it's a long, it's been a long relationship for us. Yeah. Um, Is there any part of the GOAT being in the Olympics that doesn't sort of speak to you a little bit? Like, oh, are, are you frothing on it? I barely watch contests like if Kelly's not in them. I, I, I don't relate to everything you just said about ever ebbing and flowing in the love of Slater. I what, you just hate him? No, I just love him. Oh, I, I, I hate Slater him. haters. No, I'm not a Slater I'm hater. I'm a Slater I'm appreciator. Like, no, I'm, if I'm being honest about, you know, how I viewed his surfing and his career, I was like, there were definitely times when he was getting sort of towards six world titles, eight, nine, ten, eleven world oh, titles, yeah. where I was just going... Is this, is this where I want surfing to be? Is this mm. what I'm into? Like, Kelly Slater not personally against Kelly. Well, against. Kelly Slater World Titles became like oxygen. You just couldn't even notice it after a while. And mm. so, yeah, there was mm. a little bit of lack of excitement there. But now, given that he is basically an invalid, is, it couldn't be more exciting. And if, even I if think he gets, it's epic. Yeah. I think it's epic. I'm fully backing it, Smith. Mm. He's pushing 50 and about to surf for the country as the second oh, best. Who's the oldest Olympian ever? Should I Google that quickly? Yeah, get it up on the Googleizer. Have a quick squeeze. Who <laughs> is the oldest Olympian? It's going to be like golf or something, isn't it? That's is that in the Olympics? Oscar Goma Schwann was a Swedish shooter who competed at three Olympic Games and won six medals. He's the oldest person to compete. Come on, give me the age. <laughs> He was 72. Wow. So, mm. Kelly. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Just a grind. Mm. Okay. Here's a question for you, though, Smith. What if Kelly does win gold? Gold? Do, do we start gold calling him the goat? The golden goat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mate, surely the, the God-fearing amongst us would have a huge issue with this. That's, that's a false idol for sure. Pretty <laughs> sure golden goats were exactly what was at the bottom of the hill when... Moses came down with the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Positive. Yes, I, I believe that's uh, written into Genesis 7.13. Mm. It's right there. No worshipping golden goat. Absolutely not. Um, no, any chance? Oh, any chance of a, a Kelly would, medal? I mean, what are we looking at conditions-wise? Where's the event being held? Yes. What season is it? Is it in season oh. or out of season? Or? Put it this way, mate. It's not going to be six to eight foot barrels. Well, he's got no hope then. I mean, if he's up against the Brazilian team in a mushy beach break, uh, I mean, can you imagine going up against, what, who is it, Idolo and Medina on, in a wait, Japanese wait, wait. beach break? Mushy beach break? Ooh. Is this, <laughs> is this, is this how we're, we're going to be viewing this Olympic Games? Oh, it's we can only hope so. Mate, I'll, I'll book the tickets now. I'll see you over there. <laughs> <laughs> mushy beach break. Geez. Mushy milkshake. Um, as a uh, out and proud Slater lover, yeah. You're seeing a medal draped around the neck of His Holiness Dalai Lama Kelly Slater the Foot. When you believe in Kelly like I do, you do believe in miracles. And he is sort of my Lord and Saviour. And this will be the ultimate miracle, you know. He he really needs a something magical to bookend this perfect career. He can't just go out getting 
second place and then second place again and then falling down the ladder. So it'll be a sad day when he wins gold at the Olympics, but because we'll probably receive retirement. But yeah, I'm backing him. Mm. We can't, I mean, you can't leave the athletes village empty handed, surely. I mean, you can at least take home a nasty case of gonorrhea or something. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Gold, gold, gonorrhea for the goat. 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 Ask us a question, we'll tell you no lie. Ask us a question, we'll tell you no lie. Good to be back in the studio. I love it. The studio's outside today, Smithy. I did that just for you, mate. Mm. Thought that you might appreciate the fresh air. Sometimes it can feel a bit claustrophobic in the uh, inner realm of the Ain't That Swell back room where we do these podcasts normally. Where do you do yours, DJ? Uh, just... Because yours is a lot of just you talking to yourself, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. In the stab office, the stabbing cabin, as I like to call it. Mm. Smithy's in there some days, tapping away. <coughs> But uh, yeah, just wherever I can, actually. Any uh, any gold cone piece award winning scoops coming out of the stab premium site in the next few weeks? Maybe. Oh, there'll be a couple for sure. Uh, always producing scoops of golden cone piece glory. Oh fucking! Uh, yeah, that shit comes out the tip of me dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy for me. Ten years in the trade, <laughs> I'm fucking farting gold cone pieces at the moment. <laughs> Mate, um, before we get into this, just curious to know, I've got my own question for you as a uh, Swillian on the Ask Us Question segment. What's been your favourite show and who's been your favourite guest of the Up that uh, up In Smoke tour? Uh, round two, Up In Smoke Strikes Back. Favourite guest? I think Andy King. In the uh, most re- recent live episode. If uh, you haven't listened to that, tap in. He's uh, a truth-telling Southside battler. Uh, who I resonate with culturally in a number of ways. And, uh, yeah, just I thought his wisdom, his take on life, on surfing, was second to none in the history of the program. I, I was just so shocked and in awe. It was incredible. It was just – it's amazing how beautifully concise he could sum up really big issues in surfing that mm. really meant a lot to me. Then I, I was hearing things for the first time on – I don't know, maybe things that I couldn't even sort of pinpoint why I was uneasy about him. And he just nailed it, you know. But but more than anything, just a guy who's had such a crazy journey and, and able to really share that openly in a room full of people. And, and didn't give and a fuck, with all you the know. Was, it was sick. Was just willing to speak his truth, speak what he thought the mm. truth was and, uh, you know, where the consequences of living that lifestyle and as he said on the show, you know, lost many jobs and many clients over the years because of it. But fuck. truth speaker, yeah, that you know, don't. Sh- that's why they say don't shoot the messenger because the messenger always gets fucking shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favourites so far have been I got a three favourites if that's cool with mm-hmm. you, Kingy for sure, Dylan Longbottom. Oh, that he ep was, hasn't come out oh, yet. Wow, wow, wait for that one. Let us. Lo- yeah, I love Dylan Longbottom. I miss him. He came on. And he just wowed. Did he? He wowed big time. Yeah, he's pretty uh, understated, isn't he? He's pretty underground. Was he? Did he Mate, he was he not understated. Really? He was wowing. He, he worked himself into like a, a pretty much corners of the mouth frothy frenzy. Did he? Yeah, mate. Fuck was incredible. I mean, he has had one of the greatest surfing careers 
in the history of the game for the kind of surfing that I like, which is just orbs. You know, paddling massive orbs, south coast orbs, Pacific slabs, shipsterns, fucking yeah. slabs. Oh, mate, He's done it all. And he goes deep on like taking his daughter Summer, towing at Nazare just for a bit of fun. Oh my god. It's a bit of a terrifying story actually for parents, but uh epic yes. And then the rail shaman, the vortex shaman, J Flow. Oh, Jeremy yeah. Flores. He was on a heater. Oh, love him. Felt semi-responsible the next day when he lost his heat. <laughs> I felt bad. Because <laughs> mm. he got into the spirit of it with all the swellings, mate. He sat down. He just started cracking the Steel City lagers. And he was having a hell time. Mm. And, uh, yeah, the next day when he lost by, you know, the thinnest of points. So, I was just like, he, he actually got underdone on a wave. See? Gold cone piece. Oh, Ripping out the old, old fella. Just like a six. Righto. Ask us a question. Swellings are on the case. Sauce bottle. Um, this is less a question, just to go, we'll take it as a comment. Everyone whinging on Stab and other outlets, etc., about paying for surf media. Pull your heads in, everyone. Oh, pull, pull your heads in. Everyone deserves to get paid. Yeah, fucking earth. Saucy? Yeah, I mean, it's bizarre how many people think that we're rich because of our visibility. But I get paid fuck all. I can barely make rent. Like, it's psycho. Actually, on that, a I'm bloke tripping. had a crack at a smithy calling us bourgeois for charging 50 bucks for our live shows. Mate, fucking order a fucking avocado on toast in Byron Bay and see how much it costs you. Mate, fucking tradesmen, mechanics fucking charge $750 to bend over and pick up a fucking spanner. Are you kidding me? Get fucked, cunt. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, fucking dog, mate. Say it to Isn't it face. weird the when something's on the internet, everyone just expects it for free. Like the rules of business don't apply on how, not, how not much costs they like created. Been in the supermarket at Woolies and had just had pe- random people walk past and go, oh, yeah, you got to pay for fucking stab premium. You can't fucking pull your head in. <laughs> uh, you kind of look like Jesus today, Jed. And every day, actually, for that matter. Peter Casey, he's got seven likes on this one. Why uh, was Ryan Callanan's final turn on his 9.93 at Margs one of the best ever stuck in a comp? That wave was fucked up start to finish. Yep. I think uh, Fanning mentioned that that was his favourite wave of the whole Aussie League. Uh, the big one, too, from Arkell. Fuck, he's surfing good, mate. Like, you know, come on, Arkell. Like, what's the missing ingredient? We tried to t- touch on it before, but fuck, he surfed that wave. That's, that has to be, if not the best surf wave of the whole thing. Yeah. John John's 10 I think is probably fucking, you know. I think what sums up that, that wave so well. It's just that they showed uh, Jake the Snake Patterson and, and a bunch of other competitors standing there when they read out the score, and everyone, even his you know fellow competitors, was so bummed that they didn't give it a ten because everyone just thought it was the best surfing you can do, I guess. Mm. But the fact that it ended up you know point three short of a ten was just a bit silly. Well, that's really. happened a couple of times, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, Gabe Medina's you know just lofty into the fucking offshore on a four. Or six foot Newcastle out the back set, you know, huge air rev, no grab, and that only got a nine point nine something. Yeah, mm. just so stingy all of a sudden. Mm. What's fucking going on there. Now I'm back in the no tens. Oh, that's speaking. right. You well, they, what's the point of going? Like, is it perfect? I mean, who's to say? Like, what are you, some kind of soothsaying shaman? But if they have a no ten policy, then I respect that. But they're throwing out tens, and they didn't give that a ten. Are they throwing out tens? When Sometimes. John John got a ten. John John got a ten. Big pit. That oh, that's right. Yeah. That thing was bizarre. Yeah, it's it was bizarre. Thing. But Callan's wave, you would argue, is mm. you know, anyone can like stand there and chew. One hundred percent. Not at Mars. Yeah. 
Hey, uh, threading the vortex. I'm going to throw this one to you first. Hit me. Les. Threading the vortex. Uh, his question's sort of open-ended here. Am I worthy of love? <sighs> Not me, Vaughn. <laughs> but is threading the vortex worthy of love? Fuck. Threading the vortex. I mean, he's showing some value right there. Some lovable. He's come up with a creative title for his Instagram handle. So... Mm. Knowing just that, and what sort of what's give me some more info? Yeah. What's his profile looking like? Should we have a squeeze? He's got any surf shots? Right, let's have a quick look. Um, he's got uh, an astronaut holding a surfboard as his little icon. <laughs> so uh, that's a good guy. sign. Very yeah. good sign. I'm loving him. Seems to have a lot of uh, Photoshop art on here actually, which I know you're not a huge fan of. But if you actually dig into it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not against that. Oh, this guy's sick. I love his artwork. Yeah, it's good. That's lovable. Look at this. He's got UFOs towing Italo and... Uh, oh, my God. Crabs climbing over the mountains. Look, there's Ando in a starry sort of That thing's vision. fucked up. Are you kidding me? That's the that's like the uh, the final level of Kelly Slater's oh, process. look at this one, Smitty. There's a little Buddhist monk draped in uh, orange robes meditating in the foreground with a perfect right... It's sick. It's like apocalypse yeah. breaking in the background. It's so mental. I love that artwork. What's got it going on? Threading the vortex, mate. Stop Lots getting so love. existential on a threading the vortex. Just fully in... Will you out? Will you in? Of course you're worthy of love, mate. Yeah, mate. You're big time worthy. In fact, you're so worthy, uh, we're going to start following you. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate that, that's love. That's modern love. <laughs> <laughs> um, wake setter, T2. Are the burgers better at main break? Why no box? So this was a bit of a talking point on the cusp. Yeah. Uh, potty, which I listened to and enjoyed. Um, yeah, like the boys got kind of stuck into the woozle for not running at the box when main break was... So I mean, is this something worthy of our time and discussion? I think it probably is. The <sighs> women could have uh, been sent out there too and they weren't. Thoughts? Yeah. Dis- very disappointing not to see heats run at the box, but it's a, you know, it's a pretty fickle wave. Uh, it's, yeah, fucking, man, hard to predict, hard to read. I, I guess... Uh, there was a, a window, I think, on the final day during the women's event. They ran, uh, uh, what was it? They ran the women's quarters and semis, was it? Uh, and the, no, they, the day that they finished the event, there was a window at box uh, in the morning where it was kind of, it was slow, but then it would turn on for fucking 15 minutes where it was like a wave machine. Um, and I guess that's the rhythm of the box and that's the rhythm of West Oz. Waves come in batches. It's mm. just a hard one. You, you want to see heats out there, but... It's slow and tight affected and there's so many variables uh, and there's limited scoring opportunity f- for certain kinds of surfers. I, you couldn't put the women out there. I think that's just fanciful. Mm, well, uh, you would have to argue that Tatiana probably would have been in strife in that final out the box. Yeah. I mean, Br- Bronte as well. Like, a, a backside out there at the best of times tricky. was fucking harrowing. At that size, it was big that day. It was six to eight. There was mental slabs out there. But, uh, yeah, we've been so sick to see... The men out there. It's a funny thing, isn't it? The WSL running the... <laughs> props to the WSL running the Aussie Tour leg at fucking a handful of our shittest waves. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy the surf. Uh, as a spectator sport, Newcastle was surprisingly fucking epic. Yeah, yeah If you were there live. Like it, was, live was it was so in your face. It was like five... Basically like a couple of... Like 20 metres off the beach or mm. something. Like it was so close, and um, the atmosphere, especially when the Newey boys were surfing, was incredible, mate. Totally. But um, Narrabeen wasn't bad. I mean, but Narrabeen on a south swell, and you know you're getting south swells. Generally speaking, at this time, you, you're lucky to get a fucking good east swell any time of the year. 
on the East Coast. But now I've been in the South, so pretty straight. Still very watchable, enjoyable. But uh, we got fucking way better waves than that in this country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. Um, Jay, ha- Jay Hamels. Uh, this one for you, Smith. Four likes on this one too, by the way. Can the Lord stop getting high in pros on the panel and start getting a couple more washed up kernels to speak some fucking truth? I think uh, Jay Hamels is saying, when you're doing the live shows, how about a few more rich shows or a few more fucking Mick from down in Tassie or, you mm. know. Couple of truth speakers. I like cosmic kernels, not washed up kernels. Those like uh, those jaded old cranks, blo- you know, kind of oh, hey. blowing up. A fucking annoying. Just want to give you a, a a bit of an update on Kong. I was hanging out with uh, Gary Elkerton mm. down at uh, Newcastle, mate. The turnaround that guy's been through since he came on our show, he he blew out to twice the size he was on our show. No. And he, he was in a pretty bad way. You wow. know, like it was. I mean, it was, it was fun on the night, and but you and I both knew when we came off stage, like, fuck, this is this is pretty tense. Like, what's yeah, going on here? It's heavy, man. The live shows have become, uh, I don't know, like, they're, they're a bit funny for me. Like, it seems to be this culture of excess, like a lot of drinking and fucking cocaine and just bullshit. Um, you know, <laughs> for both guests and punters alike. Um, oh, I think that's rare. That's not rare. I think it's rare. There's a there's a handful of like there's fifty fifty of the crowd is there's fifty percent like we, when we're at uh, Bondi for example, which uh, we'll talk about later. But mm. um, you know, Pauline Mensa had the whole crowd on lock mm. from the start of the night to the end. And yeah, at the end, you it's know, fifty like, fifty. You're right. Yeah. I would say it is pr- pretty split down the middle. But I guess my point is, um, for our show to be this kind of really triggering event in people's lives. Uh, some it's sometimes our guests themselves who uh, fucking are forced to kind of stare their ego and persona in the face um, by virtue of being on the show and then having to listen back to it mm. uh, and, and you know just getting tanked on the show to get over the nerves it's it's a bit like I feel a bit conflicted about it feels like kind of leading lambs to the slaughter at times but there's absolutely no pressure from us to Get no, maggot no. on the show. No, I mean, but the, 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 the ironic thing is you and I, uh, f- you, you cannot do a show if you've even, like, if I've had more than three beers, I'm, I can't do a show. Yeah, so I've, I, I, I just whim hot, like, because the, the nerves yeah. of dealing with 100 people, 200 people looking at you, hanging on every word is fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and my only way to get through it is, is literally doing whim off, like, right before I go on there, and I might have one or two beers. But, um, yeah, I can see why Kong didn't take that show that well, well um, I, this is the good news yeah and a uh, good point you bring up too but if you come into a show like fuck have fun like we're frothing on that so, yeah um, but I'm not encouraging but, but, people but, but, to get maggot there. and fucking sloppy like that's fucking annoying to me to, to be honest I, I actually that well when you get maggot pu- and sloppy you don't shut up so you give yourself away every time yeah and you just become a torturous cunt to the people around you like fucking just chewing cunts ears off like just no emotional intelligence it's annoying mm. and the best shows are always the ones where it's just fucking everyone's engaged and we're all having a hell totally time. good stories and uh you know just humility i was just going to add back to this guy's question that robbie page definitely needed a shout out for that first live episode that he was part of he's the cosmic colonel that he's I think this guy was after. He's so, so good, fucking entertaining so good 
Absolutely. Terry and, Richard. And, and he's a guy one. who is spiritually intact, man. Yeah. He, he's, a, he's got his shit together down there. He's this little surf shop at South Kempsey. We're, we're actually sitting on a full episode of Robbie Page that we haven't released. Oh, get it into in the shop. world. Yeah, it's coming. He's a lovely, lovely guy. Righto. Uh, Jake Elliott here. He said, did Smithy bump into any profiled surfers at Earth Frequency? If not, has he ever been at a doof and seen any? Disregarding Nikki, who, as we all know, is the rainbow servant. Serpent. Mm. Servant. Serpent. No. <laughs> Serpent. No. Both work. Uh, uh, yeah, did you bump into any uh, known surfing identities at Earth Frequency? No. No, there should have been. I mean, it was in southeast Queensland, not too far from Burley Heads and the Northern Rivers, but... Uh, Sadly, no, and I uh, it is sadly because I think surf culture would benefit uh, from the mind-expanding kind of uh, gist of that event. I guess like that for me is what surf culture was about and what attracted t- me to it originally. Have you pitched the idea uh, to the WSL of bringing Earth Frequency to the events <laughs> and sort of melding the two? <laughs> <laughs> could be a good look. Well, they did have the drop, and I don't know what... Uh, <laughs> What the uh, innuendo was with that, but uh, dropping the beat, dropping. Hang on, are uh, you talking about the the drop with uh, what, what 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 is it? What's this? Wasn't that the festival that they used to have? Uh, oh, associated was it, what's with the, the drop? Wasn't Did it? they steal that name off? Did you steal that name? No, because this the drop was the original Stab podcast way back when Nudes and Dorian were doing it on the Stab channel. I don't know. I think I don't know who got in first with that, but yeah, I don't know. See you in court, WSL. All right, this one's from... Uh, I'm going to assume this is how it's pronounced. F-U-C-H-S. So I'm going to say this is from uh, JJ Fux. Where does wet lettuce come from and does it pair well with the old corn husk? What, do you, like, what does that even mean? Move on. No, we can elaborate if you, you want. Do you want to break this one down, Smithy? I'm thinking of a... Uh, a kind of a one of those tacos where you replace the tortilla with lettuce, but uh, and instead of brown beans, you have shit stained corn in that wet lettuce, and that's your meal. And frankly, I'm going to stay well away from that. <laughs> Mr. Todd Blinky, he wants to know: A, are the rumors true that an ATS app might go down in the Northwest Desert this year? Fucking what? Blinky straight onto it. Shout out to Blinky and Teeny. I uh, met them over. In the ah, west on this so trip. So they've heard it straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're uh, also close to the Macaulay mob over there. Fucking icons. Absolute legends. Merryweather's absolute finest. And uh, can confirm rumours of an old-fashioned desert hoedown. Uh, yeah, they, they're going. They're circulating. We're, um, we're going to release more information about this, Smithy, but I think we might try. We might really desperately try to get up there, eh? Yeah, I reckon. All right. Just more to come. We'll have a crack. Ain't that Give small Mad Max? Yeah, well, I'm, I've already got uh, the Lord Humongous's outfit from Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, um, the the ski mask with the uh, leather sort of gonad man outfit? That is mm. beautiful. Can't wait. <laughs> Desert Daniel wants to know, if Sierra Kerr was on tour right now, where would she finish on the leaderboard? Oh, good question, Desert Dan. What was that? Um, it's another thing I was hosting the other night. Uh, at the Mick Fanning Hall of Fame induction night. Uh, Sean O and I hosted it, and Sierra Kerr actually won the Rising Star Award, uh, which in a year without sort of many events, because it's based on you know the previous year due to COVID, I thought that was a really 
fucking on it call. Yeah. From Surfing Australia. They tend to sort of just reward the, the, the programs and the, the stuff that they've got going on. So a lot of competition-based stuff. But that was a huge result for her, I thought, and a real nod of the cap. And everywhere I look, there's Sierra Kerr either doing massive frontside punts or getting cut off a dial. Mm. Yeah, that step off the ski, uh, <laughs> the spot we probably shouldn't name, recently, that it, it dad towed her into, is it one of the best waves I've ever seen videoed. It spits like four times, and she threads it perfectly. Have you seen this, Jess? No. Oh, my no, goodness. It's so good. It's, it's fucked up. It's, it's the most perfect wave you could ever imagine. and It spits twice. I think it spits like four times if you count the puffs. Mm. There's four puffs, two major spits. I've gone deep on the, on the spit analytics and she, yeah she threads it perfectly so she charges can do airs she's she's got the you know she's she's hanging out with and has access to people via her dad that are just going to give us so much amazing guidance and advice that she's just picking up quite naturally i just think her future is so set in stone as as a world champ if she wants to i agree and uh are we claiming her as australian oh 100 percent yeah well, how long has she lived here she well she she's Born here? Was she born here? Oh, actually, I don't know. Well, I'm pretty brother. sure uh, her, is her her mum's American, right? And no, that's no. right. Oh, she is. Yeah, and they g- she grew up in California. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Oh, I don't know right. where she was born, but but um, anyway, like Josh Kerr was nominated for Australian Surfer of the Year in the same awards. Wow. Which I think again, Great tip of the hat for yeah. Surfing Australia, recognizing like you know that guy's surfing last year, the waves he scored, all that. He deserved that nomination. I mean, yeah. it's. You know, there's a lot of Australian surfers doing amazing things. I thought Jacob Wilcox could have been up there. Jack Robbo won it. It was cool. So maybe this one's from Ollie Sherb. Desert Dan was, uh, he had a photo of himself standing next to a huge pile of emu bitter, by the way, so... WA's finest. He's lovable. Ollie Sherb wants to know, if Smithy were to lend the Gosford Grug a pair of green United, Bondi United footy shorts for the remainder of Rotnest, would he finally have enough mongrel in him to have a crack... At the Brazos and fucking get us a win on this Aussie leg. Oh, I don't what think. Do Will Bondi United footy shorts save the Gosford Grugs <laughs> pro surfing career at this stage? Fuck, I think I'd have to cut them in half and stitch two pairs together to get them around the Grug. He's a big rig, <laughs> the keg on legs. But, uh, and not a lot of movement in his thoracic spine. He's pretty just like. The fact that he surfs so well, when you watch him walk, he can barely just even rotate in either direction. And then he gets on a surfboard and. He's pretty limber for a big guy. Mm. I don't think there's any shortness of mongrel. But, uh, I mean, yeah, the problem is, as we mentioned, that versatility. Like, just I uh, mm. can't really see the grug sticking, uh, you know, corked out air verses on two-foot fucking inside wedges. So, until that happens, I, I mean, think the grug's best weapon, Smitty, would be, you know, when you're, you're, you're a grommet and you're on a wave and you see your mate paddling out and you just get as close as you can to him and you spray him? I reckon the Grug should do that because if he gets close enough to like someone a little more nimble, a little bit lighter, like a, a Felipe, and he just does one of those fucking full-blown animal hacks right in his face, that's going to peel the skin off oh, his face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it'll yeah. like just be a pile of skele- skeleton bones. Absolutely. Bleached. Blood, blood sport the... style, like throwing salt in the eyes. Yeah. With salt water. But Derek Hine tells a story about uh, one of the greatest moments of his whole surfing life was being sprayed in the face by... A Michael Peterson cutback. Oh, imagine. And he said it was it was such a blistering, white-hot pain that he had that, like, lip burn from it. 
<laughs> he said it was like one of the great joys of his life because he came in and it was like he, his face had been blasted with a, uh, a sanding gun. Mm. Hey, wow. Jed, how did you pack the lunch in those little little green shorts when you were playing? Uh, have you watched rugby league before? Yeah. Well, I don't understand. Like, everyone wears the same pairs of shorts. Yeah, yeah. How did you arrange your junk? Inside, you did put, you put your balls? On. Did you put your balls on one side? Did you did you split nah, it? Your balls sit above the the shorts. So it was a wide like, world of sports reference. I thought you might remember that one, but ah, it doesn't matter. It's lo- it's <laughs> it's falling on deaf ears. Josh CC, did you oh, oh, shh, CC? Who goes harder, John on a below sea level keg or Smivy at a big old bush dwarf? Uh, probably John on the below sea level keg. I didn't drink a beer at the Bushdorf. I pretty much was. I don't think he's actually s- saying going hard on the juice. I think he's just saying. What's going hard? hard? Just throwing, hard. throwing shape. Throwing shape. Fuck, I throw shape for hours. Mm. How did uh, this one's from Hugh Jackman? Don't know if it's the Hugh Jackman. Hoping it is. G'day, Hugh. Say g'day to Debbie and the kids for me, mate. <laughs> Smithy, how did. Watching Dark Hollow compared to microdosing psilocybin for you? Same uh, world? Very similar. Yeah. I. Uh, how does it compare? Yeah, they really complement each other. I think I uh, would like that. That film, that music is right at home in some kind of avant-garde nightclubbing space. Be fucking mental to listen to hours of that kind of music and have that footage on a continuous loop. Uh, I just, yeah, go watch it. That good. Yeah, I can't, can't, can't do mushies lately. I didn't really sort of trip out. Felt the good vibes though. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you, you're not I'd really... Love to, I actually, I would love to watch it on the shrooms. Yeah. That'd be fun. I don't think you're taking mushies to trip out generally. <coughs> Are you taking them nah. to like dissolve no, that's, that's the cool. ego? It's a bit of a myth. Like the, the the trip out phase comes if you have a fucking like heroic dose, like <laughs> which is like five grams to twenty grams. And really, even like Paul Stamets will say, like the the world's leading mycologist, like you do that once a year. Guys, couple left. This is from Crocs Boy Casar. Crocs Boy Casar sixty nine. Crocs Boy Casar. I'm just gonna say it like this. Crocs Boy Casar. That's good. Is it true that the Dalai Lama donated his foreskin to replace the ligaments in John John's knee so he can secure a gold medal in the Olympics, UTFS? Well, this is news. And I think Crocs boy Kassar could be uh, finding himself with a gold cane piece if mm. this proves to be true. Any any rumours in the stab office getting around that uh, the Dalai Lama is No, I haven't heard that one, but... Uh, the excess skin from the uh, tip of his penis. We'll be giving you a call, Crocs boy Kassar. Uh, Inserted into the, have, you, have you heard of this surgery being performed before? Has Warren Kramer actually, you know, has he has he dived into this? Is, is Kelly Slater walking around with foreskin in his foot? <laughs> is Kaloa Andino walking around with foreskin in his ankle? Where are they getting this foreskin from? <laughs> yeah, Where is this well, surplus well, of foreskin? No sh- the no Jewish community, of, obviously. There's the, mm. I was going to say, there's no shortage of foreskins getting around. I just want to know if this is like has been going on for a long time. Like, when did foreskins become... Like a go-to for ligament damage? Yeah, well, I mean, they're... I mean, it's a bit disturbing, Smithy. 
It's it's some of the toughest skin. I mean, the fucking battering at cops. <laughs> like you, they're just get, I mean, just <clears throat> constantly getting wrenched, and uh, just dipped in these very very acidic environments uh, where it's subject to all kinds of disease and bacteria. I mean, it's yeah, you know, it's some of the most durable flesh on the anatomy. Care to comment? I mean, f- infinitely more durable than John John's knee ligaments, you'd imagine. Maybe. Those things, are, I don't know what they were made of. I mean, fucking, I think when the aliens beamed into his mother's skull, they uh, just kind of really underestimated the strength of Pacific juice uh, in rupturing knee ligaments. They just, the, 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 that prototype's a bit of a fail. Maybe they should take him back. Yeah, I don't know. Let's get, let's see how he heals up with this new foreskin knee, and uh, we'll go from there. Correct. Give one I'll last chance. To conclusions. Last one, I reckon. Maltzen. Don't know if it's Mick Maltzen. Hope it is. If it is, g'day Mick. If it's not, g'day Maltzen. Surfed a heat against him when I was a little grommet. At uh, the It was the Foster Scholastic titles at Elam's Beach, which uh, probably get killed for saying that out loud. <laughs> if it is Mick. G'day, Mick. It is Mick. Did you take him down, BD? I didn't, actually. This is the famous story. It was a combined heat, so, like, it was two versus two. Um, and the combined score of your your team helped your school get through. So it w- wasn't school type. It was scholastics or whatever. It was the actual inter-school championships. And Mick was in a team with Trent Munro. <coughs> I was in a, a team with a long-lost buddy called Josh Smith. And, um, yeah, w- w- it was a countback. And uh, we were all waiting on the beach, standing there together. And um, Mullum got pipped by 0.1 of a point on count back. And Trent Munro looked at me and he said out the side of his mouth, wah, wah, wah. Enjoy the bus ride home in bread. <laughs> <laughs> Mick didn't say that, though. Um, this is his question. Should Slater grow a ponytail and a moustache and spice up his image a bit? Ooh, that's Keep riding the twitty, but only wear speedos a la Ruko Banda. Ruko Banda? Sorry, mate. I probably... Oh, Gary Hughes. Up the fucking swellions. Wow. Hughes so is this is definitely around. Mick. G'day, mate. How are you? Um, Hughesy is definitely coming on our potty at some stage, right? Yeah. I mean, if we make it down to Foster. Yeah, yeah we're going down there. Big time. Um... So what do you reckon, boys? Like, should Slater? I, I guess it would be a scullet ponytail. Yeah, it's big Earth frequency vibes. Yeah, and oh, lots of those out there. Big time. And a little uh, moustache. I reckon I'm backing <laughs> this hugely. <laughs> a huge aesthetic. Yeah. I back it all the I'm way. I'm backing Slater to go scullet tail and and moustache. I like that. Like, so he, he's got the the disposable income to afford some sort of hair surgery, but rather than getting all his hair back. Like, get a surgery that makes him look like a balding guy. I reckon he could still grow hair out the back, though. That's my thing. Oh, you think he's still got some oh, follicles? Oh, there's no way there. he's just... No one goes bald, bald. You can, mm. If you let it go, it'll it'll grow in places that you oh, really don't so want So a natural skullet. Yeah. Right. I was imagining all kinds of um, sculpt plasties, but... Yeah, no, natural skullet. Let's, let, let's, let's see what happens. Yeah. Can we put let that Let it out grow. There? Yeah, it's a lesser scene look, isn't it? The kind of Hari Krishna plaited... Bald rat's tail. It's a shame. Does he, if he does go with this new look, Smithy, is three-quarter length shorts absolutely <laughs> essential to complete the look? Oh, I think... Uh, three-quarter length carbo sh- uh, cargo shorts with a 
tie-dyed singlet. What about... Ah, oh, see where you're going now. Yeah, what about some, the picture. some zippable extensions? You know those long pants where you can zip off? <laughs> so this is the next out of name, right? We've, we've just designed oh. it. Hey, boys. Love you. Love you, mate. Love you. Love you, mate. <laughs> Love you, Swillians. Stay strong. Breathe. Breathe, cunts. Breathe. We're in. We're out.